ladies, gentlefolk, and other unassociated gender beings, welcome back to the Talking to the Joy is Gone podcast. As ever, I am mankind's best last hope, Rooney. And this chap over here um, is the idiot that just tags along and rides his coattails. <laughs> my name's Steve. <laughs> You're my sidekick. <laughs> yeah. You're like moist, my evil moisture buddy. <laughs> I, sadly, I don't even think I'm as cool as moist. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the worst of it. Um, how are you this week anyway? Because I'm happy to announce that I'm in a far, far better mood than I was last week. So we should have a um, much better episode than we did last week. I've, I've only been awake about 45 minutes. So um, can I let you know when I wake up? <laughs> I'm, I'm halfway through a can of, of monster right now um other energy drinks are available so once this kicks in i'll let you know i've not got my day off to the best start to be fair right um i went downstairs after after the child came in and woke us up by just using us as a climbing frame this morning i went downstairs i was like right as, as they do yeah. i was like right i'll go downstairs i'll have, have some tea have some breakfast and i'll write up my notes ready for recording this morning um i went downstairs I put the, the tea bag and the sugar in there in case, you know, people don't know how to make a cup of tea. The kettle's boiling away. And I get to the, go to the fridge and I'm like, ah, oh, get the milk. And I just by force of habit now, because I've been caught out too many times before, whip the lid off, give it a little sniff. I'm like, that doesn't smell quite right. And I look in and I pour it and it's basically turned into yogurt overnight. Uh, uh, yeah. Wow. When did you start having milk in your tea? Because... You never used to, did you? You used to, you used to only solely drink Earl Grey. I used to, I went, yeah, I went for a phase where I would only drink um, Earl Grey black, but yeah, they don't have Earl Grey at work. Oh, um, okay, so you back to adapt. They do have posh tea bags and stuff. Um, so I was like, well, I can, I did I, occasionally. I'll take in my own tea, and I'll just have like a uh, have an entire box, and as long as that lasts, I'll only have Earl Grey sort of thing. But normally, yeah, it's. Um, it's just regular tea at work. And then I just carry that into a home because I've now I've reached that point where I'm basically like middle-aged. So <laughs> I have, I have my routine, my, my, my morning routine and it involves having my, my tea and my, my cereal. And now I carry that on even through the weekends just because I'm, I'm now old. <laughs> um, my morning routine is I don't go anywhere or do anything until I've had about two pints of coffee. <laughs> oh. Which I, I make and then I get back into bed and just sit and drink it. <laughs> if I didn't have to do that, I could probably get an extra forty-five minutes sleep in the morning. But I am, I am not a morning person in any way, shape, <laughs> or form. So I need that, I need that coffee just to kind of get me past the point of I want to rip everybody's head off. <laughs> you need that boost. Yeah. I've kind of, I've kind of um, twisted my my morning routine because obviously the milk had turned into fucking. Yeah yogurt of some kind so instead i have i have this can of monster and i have a bowl of um barbecue flavored crisps for breakfast because this was literally all i had i I put these were put into a bowl for me to eat last night while i watched the film but because i'd had a big dinner i wasn't hungry so they're still sat here this morning and amy was like you need to eat something you can't just have a can of monster for breakfast or an empty stomach it'll mess up your guts so i was like what she's like take the crisps Oh, for fuck's sake, fine, okay. So, if you hear me um, just... 
ASMR. Chris Beaton. Some ASMR shoot for you there, boys. Yeah, we'll cut that out and then we'll stick it on Pornhub and people will, um, somebody <laughs> must get off to, to the sound of crisps being eaten. We can pretend it's a girl eating it. We'll just do <laughs> audio only. We'll put get that on the Patreon. That, yeah, get some of that Pornhub well, cash. Only fans. <laughs> I'm, I am, I'm dismayed by your lack of like healthy options for, for breakfast. Not that I can really talk because I've drunk three pints of coffee and had nothing to eat. But exactly. That's still got to be better than a can of rot your guts monster and some crisps. It probably is, but it's been so freaking hot this week that, like, for the last two nights, I basically haven't slept. Yeah. So I, I need this caffeine infusion, and since I can't have my tea, um, it's yeah, it's it's monster, or I'd be asleep <laughs> by now. <laughs> I'd have gone back to sleep. Um, <laughs> Oh, I had a question. I completely forgot it. Fuck. Awesome. What up? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my life. Um, so you made a earth-shattering, startling announcement on last week's pod that um, you don't actually like podcasts. <laughs> yes, I did. That filled me with such dismay because it is a medium that I I love and cherish that I've decided to set out on a task of. Um, once a week, I will suggest a podcast to you and you will go and give it a listen and then yes. come back and then we'll have a chat about it and see if I've won you over. Yes, I, this is- what I probably should have done, to be fair, was hold this one back because this one, I, I was I was convinced this is the one. This was going to be the pod that, <laughs> that just instantly won you over. So... Um, Oh, I should have done was held it back for a few weeks, but I didn't. So, um, this week's attempt at winning Rooney over to a medium that he's trying to, you know, make a name for himself in is Law, the podcast. Law is a podcast about non fiction scary stories. Each episode examines historical events that show the dark side of human nature, usually through the lens of folklore. It is presented in a style that's been compared to a campfire experience. Created in 2015 by Aaron Mankey, as of October 2017, it had 5 million monthly listeners. Do you know uh, when I said it was embarrassing that we were shouting about having 100 listeners? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that one there. Um, <laughs> The podcast was adapted into a TV show in 2017 and ran on Amazon Prime for two seasons before being cancelled. Huh. Um, I really like. I love this podcast. I realised the other day when I actually I hadn't listened to it for a, probably about a year to be fair, just because the amount of podcasts I got, um, I'm subscribed to, I hadn't got round to it. But I realised when I went back and listened to it the other day on the Pirates of the Caribbean episode you were talking about a, like a well-to-do guy that gave up his life to go and be a pirate. And yes, I, I was like, I've heard of him, I've heard of him. And then I was like, how? And for months, I was just like, I have no idea how <laughs> I've got this nugget of information. And I started listening to Law the other day and it all came back to me. I was like, this is where I heard of it. This is uh, why I have that random piece of information in my brain. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, I, right. You suggested this to me, um, yeah. like at the beginning of the week, wasn't it? Yes. And I listened to, 
I'm about three quarters of the way through one episode. And I've, <laughs> thing is, now, I think it's the description of the, of, of the podcast sounds right up my street because I'm, I'm all into my folklore and, and my paranormal shit. The, the the noble listeners may not know that but you you definitely do and uh, yep. there'll be some people listening to this who know me who will, will know that um, and i found that one of these episodes one of the the later ones and it's about black dogs uh, yep. like black shark and and um bar guest and padfoot and what have you and i was like awesome i've just come off of like a big research kick on into black dogs for a book that i'm writing and i was like ah, oh, this is yeah great and I started listening to it and I said, like, yeah, OK. And there was a couple of bits in there that I didn't know about. He covered some stuff from from America, which my focus has been more on sort of the, the, the Norfolk sort of yeah uh, black shuck sort of area. Um, and then I just kind of I don't know. I just find with podcasts, I just kind of lose interest. It's not it's not how I like to consume media. If I'm learning something, I like to be reading it. And if I'm if I'm you know absorbing it through my head sort of thing well that's a really bad way of describing it makes me sound like a fucking sunflower um <laughs> if if i or if if i'm consuming it and it's not on the on the written page or or like a present like a presentation someone actually talking to me and teaching me stuff like that i prefer to be watching something rather than listening i think because i'm listening and then i'm sitting here and i'm like okay right well what, am I, what else am I doing? Because this is going on my ears, and now I'm just staring at like my inbox, for instance. So then I start doing something else, and I get distracted, and then I'm then I find the podcast is a distraction from whatever else it is I'm doing, so I end up stopping listening. <laughs> this is the thing. Like I have, I have noticed personally. Like I listen to a ridiculous. Like I really do need to get a life to just take away some of the hours of podcast listening I do. But um, <laughs> there are times if I'm just trying to listen to the podcast on its own and not be doing any, anything else there are times I, that like i find part of my mind is wandering and i lose track of what's mm. going on and i have to like scroll back a couple of minutes to realize yeah. what's going on but i really got into podcasts like at work i had a pretty mind-numbing job that was just like repeat the same thing a hundred times a day <laughs> and so having a podcast on allowed me to quiet that part of my mind like i'd focus yeah, like 90% of my mind on the podcast and 10% on just this mindless activity. Um, <laughs> but I've kind of like, I like to listen while I'm running, while I'm cooking, like if I'm in the bath, if I'm walking the dog. Now I'm always kind of doing something else at the same time. So half of my brain is on whatever I'm doing and half of my brain is on the podcast. And that way I kind of don't get left alone with my own thoughts, which are pretty <laughs> harrowing most of the time. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I do think, I don't think a lot, I think like a podcast like ours that's kind of filled with moments of humour and you don't have to really pay attention, you can come come in, come out, <laughs> it's alright if you're not doing, if you just want to listen, you're not doing anything else. But something like Law or some other podcast where you actually need to pay attention and keep track, I always find it's yeah. best if, if like half of my brain is focused on something else and the and just one half of it is listening to the podcast oh, um, the weather's supposed to be nice again this weekend so i'll, yes. I'll probably actually get some time to, to lounge around in my hammock um and if i do i'll try listening to it again i'll, I'll stick it on my phone and I'll, I'll have another crack because it should it, it ticks all the boxes for me it's, yes, it, it should be right up my street i thought this was now done 
like after I said it to you, and I, and then I came up with this idea to like do it on the pod. I was like, I should have kept that one back. That should have been the very last one because that's <laughs> the one that's I like. Um, but I didn't because I because I gave you the idea. I was just like, check this out, and before I actually thought, oh no, I could use this on the pod. Um, so to be fair, I think, I think this is probably only like the that that law is is probably only the fourth podcast I've ever listened to. Oh God. I've already done the. I said about the, the the coming to get you one. Yeah. Um, I've listened to Ear Biscuits by Rhett and Link. Um, Never heard of it. It's annoying because I really like their their YouTube. I think they're they're basically YouTubers who oh, okay. have made an awful lot of money doing stupid stuff on YouTube. And what was the other one? Oh, obviously Law. Yeah. And now a, a, a friend's podcast that I listen to. Uh, that one, what the name? The name, one I sent you the other day, the robot bear, a bearded robot, robot bearded bear, robot. <laughs> the robot bear. bearded robot. Yeah, robot. I, I listened to uh, I listened to one of their episodes the other day, and yeah, yeah again, I kept I getting distracted. The <laughs> oh, the first episode, I, yeah, I listened to the Xbox launch one. <laughs> um, well, I know nothing about any of them, but I was like, uh, yeah, I was going to say that one. must have been a, an odd experience for you because they they. They talk about video games and yeah, and I know nothing you don't about do video them. games. <laughs> but I, was like, I remember when Rooney and Dow were really into Final Fantasy VII, and I I have a tendency to go back and listen if I get into something or I hear a pod and I'm like, oh, I like this. I will go back to episode one and start from there. Okay. And uh, which is why I'm not on like up to date with Black Shark on Law because I'm I started at the beginning, um, <laughs> but. Yes, I I I gave that episode one a listen, and strange, oddly, I even though I had no fucking clue what they were talking about, ninety nine percent of the time, I um I actually enjoyed it, even though I I have no idea what the subject matter is. I mean, we've got space <laughs> monkeys that are like I have no idea what you're talking about, but I enjoy your pod, and which yeah. I always thought was kind of weird, yeah. but now but now I have had that experience. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So if, if anyone listens to this, if you like video games, um, yeah, give them the give those guys a listen. The uh, bearded robot, because those boys know their onions. I mean, I I know I know uh, I've met both of them. Uh, Pete, I've known for for bloody years, back from the old Square days. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, and they they really know their onions, and and they get stuck into some some proper gamingness on their uh, on their pod. So let that into your ear tubes. I think because I find this because sometimes I'll. I'll be like, it'll be late at night. I don't want to like start. Like, I'll finish one series or something. I don't want to start something else. Don't want to watch a yeah. film because it's late. So I'll just flick through the TV and I'll like the other night I was watching like Treasures from Rome, and it was just, like, <laughs> just like looking at like like all the statues that still survive and the art and stuff. It was fascinating. But what I realised <laughs> while I was watching it is that like I can li- if somebody's passionate about something. Regardless mm. of whether I'm into it or not, or I have any idea what they're talking about, if someone's passionate about it and doing it in a passionate way, I can buy in. So I think that yeah, might it's be contagious, why, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's my. I think that might be why, like, I found the the podcast fascinating because they're both clearly, clearly very passionate about video games. Or com- mm. I call them computer games. I know the accepted term these days is video games, but I'm still stuck <laughs> in like the sega master system days so i will continue to call them computer games i 
I don't I don't particularly like either phrase. Um, but calling them electronic games just makes you sound like some kind of fucking weirdo from the eighties. So yeah. <laughs> and whilst I am, you know, quite literally a weirdo from the eighties, I, I don't I don't like that association. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, right, moving on to a slightly different subject. We are finally calling time on the 100 listeners t-shirt giveaway competition. Um, you have successfully pulled the cable out of your microphone again. I don't Stick know what... Don't vape. don't vape and podcast. No, I don't know what I'm going to do when we start recording this in your house and I have to go three hours without vaping. But <laughs> I'm going to be getting really, really aggressive by the end of the episode. <laughs> you know, the joys of doing it in a in a pre-recorded medium like this is that we can pause the recording at yeah. any time. <laughs> I, I, I'm just waiting until we get to the film part so we can pause it and I can go to pee. So. <laughs> right. Well, anyway, before I was so rudely interrupted by my co-host's technical inadequacies. Um, well, I am the idiot. <laughs> this is true. Um Yes, we we had this we've had this competition with a, a ungainly mouthful of a name, um, and we well because of the way things have fallen out, we are calling we're announcing two winners of this competition, uh, and you'll have to bear with me whilst I open up the document that has their names in it. Uh, they are two Twitter users, so you know, get on there, my tweeple. <laughs> Because oh I think God. that's what I think that's what they're called. I don't know. Oh I'm not God. down with the kids. Um, I'm so happy I stay away from the internet. <laughs> the uh, we have two winners: Shaw River Oil and Hibiscus Biscuit. So uh, we will be reaching out to both of you to get like sizing details and postal addresses and shiz like that. And right. yeah sending you t-shirts can i just ask a question it could be the idiot part of me talking <laughs> but considering we shout them out near, on nearly every episode is there a reason that we're using their handles <laughs> trying to be professional about this rather than oh, just saying okay. that two, the two winners were, were are, are both members of the fucking space monkeys <laughs> 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 i don't want accusations of nepotism leveled at our uh, our podcast, whoa, even though whoa. Space Monkeys are the only people that actually reached out. <laughs> yeah, somebody would have to get involved and do something and then miss out to uh, accuse us of um, nepotism. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, thank it. Fuck it. Thank you both. You're both getting t-shirts. Congratulations. Um, at some point, we'll sort that out and uh, we'll send them out to you. Yeah. And point. you can wear them with pride. Yeah. Advertise um, your awesome taste in podcasts. I've got two public service announcements to make before we go. Oh my, okay. One for the Space Monkeys and one for the other listeners, the ones that keep they keep coming back and uh, we, we never hear from. The silent um, masses. Yeah, so firstly, to the Space Monkeys. Um, I was in a horrid mood last week. I was really not, not in a good place. Um, and I may have said some things about how none of you care and um how upsetting that was and then it turns out i may have like upset one or two of you um from what i read in 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 the whatsapp group anyway before i muted it um i'd just like to say like i wasn't aiming any of that at you we do truly appreciate every single one of you and what you do the behind the scenes that we never even talk about on here um 
I was just, yeah, I was in a bad mood. I was talking to everyone else, everyone outside <laughs> the space monkeys. Um, <laughs> the other public service announcement is base is is um something that I've known I've known this for a long time, but it played out last week, and that is if you ever feel down or low or depressed or you're not in a good headspace, like talk to someone, please. You don't have to talk about whatever it is that's that's bothering you, whatever it is that's put you in that mood. You can just you know talk about shit like we do. You can just make find someone you can make fun of. Find a friend you've had for a long time that you can make horrific jokes about that won't take it to heart because it works. Like talking is the cure. Talking really, really works and it doesn't matter who you talk to. It could be like a teacher, a parent, a sibling, um, a counsellor, your neighbour. Um, a guy on uh, Xbox Live who you fucked his mum. Yeah. Or that weird, freaky, half goth, half cross-dresser guy on Chatterbait that um, <laughs> loves fucking himself. Um, yeah, just talk to someone because this is not bullshit. If you don't believe me, go back and listen to last week's episode. I started in a place Ooh. of I don't ever want to podcast again. I don't want to be here anymore. And then ended in a far, far better place um, <clears throat> purely because I talked my way through it. So, yeah, talking really works. And uh, it clearly it works because he, he didn't want to podcast last week. And yet he's back this week and he's clearly taken up a new hobby of either being a Russian sailor or a mime. I can't tell. I'm going for Hamburglar. <laughs> Hamburglar. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing a very nice a horizontally black and white striped vest today, listeners. So uh, I'm going for the French yeah. Hamburglar. Oh, oh, oh. oh. No, that was like <laughs> I can't do accents. I really oh, can't give accents. me your royal with cheese. Eh? Yeah. That's all right. We, we, we've checked the, 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 the statistics. We haven't got any listeners in France. So no. we're all right. Oh, really offensive. Man. Um, like I was you just doing the own impression. You can, you can tell what kind of mood I'm in. Like if somebody could hack my Spotify account or add like a <laughs> listening device in my car, you'd be able to figure out what kind of mood I'm in just by whatever I'm banging that week on the way to and from work. So like. <laughs> Last week, it was just pure Orchestra of Wolves by Gallows and Free Cheers for Sweet Revenge by Mike Hemp. This week, it couldn't be any any more different. This week, I've been solely banging. Well, not banging. That's a bad word. Um, that's a bad way of phrasing that. Yeah. I've been so, solely blasting 1989 by Taylor Swift. So, you know, whatever <laughs> happens, I'll just shake it off. <laughs> I'm laughing. I mean, that's Good a fucking... That is, is a, a teenage girl. Album. That is a great album. Don't laugh at me. There's, there's, I'm listen, with you. There are some bangers on that album. Listen, like, Welcome to New York, Style, Bad Blood, Shake It Off. Um, what else? Um, what's that one that I really... Oh, what's it called? I got a blank, blank Space. And then my absolute number one favourite, because, well, I'm biased. It was written about me. But aside from that, Wildest Dream. <laughs> that is... That is my blind. That is a 10 out of 10. That is. <laughs> well, is that the one where she, she sings about that crazy dream about um, a man who likes to uh, dress up as the French hamburger? 
<laughs> doesn't mention French Amberger, but she does say he's so tall, handsome as hell. He's so bad, but he does it so well. I mean, who else do you know that that could be written about other than me? Um, well, lots of people actually. <laughs> oh, no. Stop stealing this delusion from me. She wrote uh, it mean, about me. Yeah. Yeah, that, that international uh, superstar definitely wrote that song on her hit album about you, who she's never met or even no, knows no, about. We, we, may have, we may or may not have had a secret weekend together at some point. We may or may not have drove out the city. Can we... Can, can, can you not? Okay, we, we already have Netflix, Disney, DC, <laughs> and the entire fake continent of Australia... Out oh, to get us. Did you let's, see not, that thing let's not get the Swifties involved here. <laughs> uh, uh, I love Taylor. Swifties, my favourite. <laughs> Stop um, making these outlandish claims that are going to offend her. Then <laughs> she knows it's true. I know it's true. We're fine. Um, did you see that thing I tagged you on Facebook? I think it was last night or this morning. Somebody, uh-huh. was, somebody in the podcaster group was asking about like. Um, we're putting together theme music. We've got a couple of bits of dialogue from films. Do you think it's going to be a problem? And somebody comment, commented underneath to say we used four words from Star Wars and got got a threatening letter from Disney. <laughs> I was just tagged you in it like Disney are going to get us. Mate. <laughs> Disney are coming for us. No, 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 I'm going to stop hashtagging things. Like we, we, put, we haven't used any of their any of their. Uh, copyrighted IP or anything we may have quoted it ourselves but we're not using any of their produced stuff so we're alright also we're not making any fucking money from this so <laughs> there is that um, I mean I I like to use some creative hashtags when, when I promote the the uh, episode coming out things Did like hashtag Snow White Bukaki and yeah. hashtag Wonder Woman BDSM I think I might <laughs> I think I might not do that so much in future. <laughs> I don't want Disney knowing who I am, let alone letters. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think I might veer away from creative hashtags like that. <laughs> clickbait hashtags like that. People are like, what the fuck is Snow White Bukaki all about? And then they click on it and listen to the episode and find out, yeah, <laughs> find out why. Uh, I almost kind of want to Google Snow White Bukaki, but, um, my our internet connection our connection today has been flaky enough as it is. Yeah. I really don't want to strain it by watching HD um Disney Bukaki videos. Plus um, I need to focus on the episode, not on um, fapping. So not on fapping. Yeah. That's all right. You can only see me from the from the nipples up on the webcam, so it's fine. Yeah, but when you're taking notes of all the things that, that you've never done to yourself that they're being done to us by what? Like Yeah, I'm gonna need a bigger notepad. <laughs> yeah. These, these post-it notes, I'm not going to cut it. Um, so we're clearly both in pretty good moods because, oh, and the Space Monkeys because we've got no entrance to the fame, fame circle of hell this week. No one's in a bad... It must be the weather. We've had some pretty glorious weather, I think. I think that's put people in a much better place. It has definitely improved people's moods, I think, even though yeah. it's been like a bajillion degrees. Yeah. Didn't somebody suggest one? Since one eternity later. Space monkey number something. Well, look. What number uh, is number? Three. Three. Space monkey number three uh, came up with a suggestion, and I am way behind this. This isn't a person. This is a thing. So this right. is, I think, the first thing to go into the 13th circle. I don't know how that will work, but. Um, 
nearly moldy potatoes. Uh, yeah. So at the point, that point where they've they've all gone fucking Cthulhu, and you've got the tentacles coming out, and they've started making that rank potato juice. Yeah. That just, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. I remember this I, coming up in the conversation now. Yeah, I, I knew someone had mentioned something, and I meant to yeah. add it to my notes for for this episode. So there we go. Um, I I have kind of an anecdote about this. Um. When uh, a very good friend of ours used to live with uh, me and Amy, okay, um, he had a bag of potatoes, and he left them in a cupboard, and then he left them there. Well, we figure it must have been at least six months. Oh, we didn't find them. At, we didn't find them until after he'd moved out of the house. Oh, and no. they had basically that they, they weren't potatoes anymore. <laughs> they were like this. A bag of primordial goo. Uh, was, oh my god, the smell was horrible. I've smelt some bad things in my time. <laughs> that is the worst thing I have ever smelt. It was one of those smells where you can almost feel it taking root in your sinus. It was. <laughs> I hope that you called him up and made him come around and dispose of them. Uh, no, Amy disposed of them because she found them. Because <laughs> she's she more mad than you. Clean. <laughs> I think I was at work at the time and she was just like. Look at this, it's in there. And I was like, oh my God, came back. She was like, look. I was like, man, that's rank. That is what right. The hell. first thing I would have done would have been like, look, this is your fucking mess. You clean it up. <laughs> get around here and get this out of my house. He did I some interesting things when he moved out. Like a tin of mulligatawny soup. Which he bought it like the first time we went shopping. Well, the three of us went out shopping just after moving in. And he bought this tin of mulligatawny soup just because it had a ridiculous name. And then it sat in the cupboard until about a year after he'd left the house. <laughs> oh, God. Hummus. <laughs> like, I love the shit. Like, I've got, I've kind of, when I was younger, I had no idea. But I got hit a point of, like, my late 20s where I was just like, oh, my God, hummus is banging. I know Stacey and Nash would agree with me. Um, but when we were a lot younger, you, um, you found the word hummus comical in as much as whenever we were out drinking we'd go to the kebab shop and you'd spend five minutes just staring at the menu going hummus hummus <laughs> and then one time it's a ridiculous some... word. <laughs> um yeah one time you bought some and i won't go into what happened to it because i'm not sure what the statue of limitations are on uh yeah <laughs> what happened but do you remember that time you had a house pie and we and we spent the afternoon making hummus for like the four people yep. that turned up? Yeah. Yep. And the well, only person that ate it was Yardley. Yeah. <laughs> he, he the whole bowl. Sat there dipping pom bear in it all evening, oh, eating this right. fucking hummus. Uh, you told me oh, something. Right. How do I how do I navigate this without being horrible? Um, you oh, told me no. something uh, on New Year's Eve, I think. I mean, I was pretty wasted um that i didn't know about mm. i saw with my own eyes that it was fact a couple of weeks ago that day i had to go and get a haircut and i come back and we did fight Club. oh yeah 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 he's back up there yeah yeah, so yeah. the other week when i was there yeah yeah hey, told you. i i don't know how to feel about it i don't know I, where yeah it doesn't affect my life in any way i know but like we were we were you were in a band with him at one point. Like, I've been in a band with a lot of pricks. I mean, I'm looking at one right now. 
<laughs> I've been in a band with a lot of fuckers. <laughs> if that counted for anything, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> I just, I just feel like I know he, like I don't know the facts. I've just heard this all like full hand. I know he did some fucked up shit, and he definitely did some fucked up shit when I knew him, which is why we stopped talking. But uh, yeah, something, something about the fact that he was part of my life for quite a while. And now that's happened. It, it just doesn't sit right with me. And I'm normally a cold-hearted is, cunt, so I don't know what the fuck has happened to me recently. It's just all probably a little woman... bit of bleak. There's, there's a lot of people. In fact, almost everybody listening to this is not going to have any idea what we're talking about. So <laughs> this is probably a little bit too niche, even for our podcast. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, I don't have anything else for the intro. I also don't have a lot of notes for this film. So um, I do have some trivia, though. So we're, we're okay on that front. <laughs> I'm going to go pee. And when I come back, we'll do trivia. Ow! Every fucking week. One is going to be a litter. I've got to get a chair. Ow. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Absolute favourite part. Trivia. <laughs> trivia. So... Um, just as a reminder to everyone, in case you've, you know, forgotten already or you're not looking at the streaming page where it says what we're covering this week, it's Sin City. Yes. Uh, now, it was released longer ago than I thought, actually. First uh, of April, 2005. Bloody I didn't realise yeah, it was that long that ago. Is, I thought it was like, uh, like early 2010s, like 2010, 2011, 2012. Yeah, so did I. I don't know if 2010s is a, is a phrase that people use. I may have just made that up. Um, yeah, it is yeah, now. I didn't realise it was so old. It seems like it was far more recent than it actually was. Yeah. Um, it had a budget of forty million, uh, and a box office turnover of only one hundred and sixty million. That's not. I mean, one hundred twenty million profit is one hundred twenty million profit. Yeah. Yeah. The, the seismic impact that this film had on geek culture at the time, I'm shocked. It that's all it made. Yeah, it seems like it. It should, I remember this being like hailed as something really, really special when it came out, but yeah. clearly people didn't buy into it whilst it was uh, out of the cinema because uh, yeah. yeah, 160 million compared to some of the numbers we've seen over the last few yeah. weeks, that's that's small fry. Yeah, <laughs> I guess this was 15 years ago, so this was. I don't know what year Iron Man was released, but in them uh, in the early years of like what has become the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> now, them first three films, I'm not sure they were making billions like they do now every time they No, that's on. true. Yeah. Like, I think there was there was a period of time where our community was like, yes, yes, this is fucking great. But the wider mainstream community was still being won over. Yeah. I think if Sin City had come out now, where, well, maybe five years ago, when comic book, um, the comic book properties were like a fever pitch where everyone was like battling yeah. to because they were guaranteed it may have made more money. It probably would have made a much bigger splash, yeah, yeah. financially at least. Mm. Oh, wow. There you go. That's how much it made. Um, it stars. It's actually got a really good cast. There's only so much I can talk about like how much money something made before I lose interest. <laughs> Yeah. Especially since none of that is coming my way. Um, it stars Jessica Alba, 
Benicio Del Toro, Brittany Murphy, Clive Owen, Mickey Rourke, Bruce Willis, and Elijah Wood. With again, with again, my absolute hundred percent favourite, Rosario Dawson. Who the fuck is Rosario Dawson? She is um, Gail. The okay. The um, what else has she been in? Because she looks really familiar. She's in so much stuff. She's so fucking good. She's amazing. Um, she played Night Nurse in. Do you know when they did Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and that one that everyone hates, Iron Fist? Iron Fist, Netflix. yeah. Yeah, she had. She played this character called the Night Nurse that that turned up in all three of them. Um, oh God, that's where. Yes, I yeah. Remember, yeah, from um, yeah, I remember Daredevil. She was the woman who kept patching him up. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's yeah, where I recognise her from. Yeah, she's in Clerks Two. Um, yeah, she's in a lot of different things. She's fucking yeah. fantastic, she is. Um, she is. Oh, here you go. Here's one that will rock your world. <laughs> she is playing a soccer, a Tano in season two of Mandalorian. Yes, actually, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I'm big up Rosario. You're a fucking queen. There goes one of my notes. It just says Rosario Dawson is a queen. She's fucking fantastic. <laughs> If you haven't guessed by now, I got a slight little thing for Rosario Dawson, but yeah, she's fucking. Yeah, great. who who could have picked up on that? Yeah, um, I know. I also I noticed. Played it, I played it pretty cool. <laughs> I also noticed, like these are the, the top billings, like in the these basically the, the the names that are listed under the starring section of yeah. its Wikipedia entry. Yeah. Um, they miss out Rutger Hauer. Yeah, and Josh Hartnett. And it's like, and yeah, it's like I mean, oh, Josh Hartnett. I can. He's kind of faded into obscurity a little bit I, he, I don't know he's a big name but he's not he's not like a, a, a Rutger Hauer I mean fucking he's that's a big name yeah, you know that's name, the yeah. replicant from fucking uh, oh, what's that film called Blade Runner all these moments will be lost like tears in the rain and it's just like that's that Rutger Hauer and he's only on screen for like about what five minutes if that maybe that's why then yeah maybe I suppose it would be a little bit shitty and then you, you have, have to say, like, so. I really like Josh Hartnett. I think he, he deserves more credit than we're giving him so far. Um, I recently it always watched... reminds me of the lead singer from uh, All American Rejects, which confuses me. <laughs> <laughs> I get the two of them confused, and I'm like, wait, why is Matey from the All American Rejects in here? And then I'll see like a, a All American Rejects video or something, or like a picture of them will come up somewhere, and I'll be like, hey, isn't that uh, Josh Hartnett from Butterfly Effect? Was he in Butterfly oh, Effect? Not... I don't know if he was in Butterfly Effect. Um, That's a good film, whoever it is. Yeah. I know Ethan Suplee's in Butterfly Effect. And big him up for his weight loss. He is fucking awesome. Um, I was thinking more... I just recently watched the original three seasons of Penny Dreadful, which I really enjoyed. Oh, yeah. It's got Eva Green in it as well, and she's also a queen. Um, he was really good in that. He plays like the Wolfman. Um Although spoilers. Yes, I saw that while I was searching my uh, my notes for this. Um, but I was thinking more. He made this. Do you remember like when we were young? There was a lot of terrible teen teen movies. Yes, he there was were in a one, lot. Yeah, he was in one of them films. It was called The Faculty, and it was probably the most watchable. That's of all it. Films. God, yeah. yes. It's like a that's kind a, of fuck, that's like, what I'm thinking of. Sci-fi horror in a high school. 
and he plays yeah, with the little alien squid things that, yeah. that, and they drink all the water yeah didn't that have uh, elijah wood in it as well yes yeah 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 that was, that's actually a pretty good considering like the genre and everything else it's really good really watchable film it is um, actually a very enjoyable film yeah i forgot yeah. all about that Jesus. i always i always remember being so jealous of him because he was so good looking and he had this <laughs> terrible haircut that sprouted out in different places. Yeah. And I was like, I wish I could get away with something like that. I'm just not good <laughs> looking enough. That's right. You can get away with anything these days. Everyone's got, everyone's, well, a lot of people have still got their uh, their lockdown hairdos going on. So, yeah. Lazy uh, I've seen some, some interesting, uh, some interesting I'm haircuts. At, I'm looking at one right now. <laughs> I, I tell you what, right? I am well happy with my new hair. It has just grown so long that I don't think I'll ever get a cut again because I apparently really like having really long hair. Yeah, it, it, if, it makes it it makes it easier when you're cross dressing, right? To, it does. To I can put it in bunches and everything. Yeah, I think I think what sold it the other day was I posted a picture of um, an outfit that I'm working on for my eventual birthday party that should have been taking place in May. Yeah. Um, and someone compared me to the vampire Lestat and said it was the hair that really made it. And I'm like, I'm all about that. <laughs> it's very like easy. It's very easy <laughs> to win Rooney's affections. You just have to say one nice thing to him. And oh, God, yeah. I get so little praise that, that I hoard it. <laughs> <laughs> if you think you get a little praise, come try and walk in my shoes. Like, the last time I got praised, this film was just still in pre-production. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Sorry, there's some kind of interference on the... Mo- oh, oh, no, it's, all right. it's just those tiny violins playing for you. <laughs> but anyway, stop interrupting my trivia with your maudling self-pity. Uh, I'll just sit here sword. and quietly slip my wrists as you talk. Yes, you do that, and just don't interrupt me. Okay. <laughs> the swords used by Miho in uh, that whole scene where she's just chopping up all the things um are some of the same ones used by members of the crazy 88 in kill bill volume one yeah uh, that doesn't apparently surprise quentin me. tarantino had them it was they were just like stacked in the back of his garage yeah does not shock <laughs> me like much like when we were talking about dr horrible and joss whedon was just like don't worry i got some props from something else i got some shit yeah. i got some things <laughs> Robert Rodriguez and uh, Quentin Tarantino are like good friends, aren't they? Like even yeah, so yeah. much as Robert Rodriguez was already sharing the director credit on this film mm. with Frank Miller that he brought Quentin in to do a scene. I'm not, yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Well, I should probably have looked it up, but there is a whole scene in this film directed by Quentin. There is. Uh, I have a note about this somewhere. Uh, yeah, it's the scene, um, Quentin Tarantino guest directs the scene with Dwight and a dead Jackie boy on the way to the tar pits. Oh, I love that scene. <laughs> yeah, that's that's wow. a, a Quentin Tarantino directed scene. Which, which is... it's it doesn't feel out of place in the film, though, does it? Considering no, it doesn't. Like, they're different directors. Well, I don't you know how much it would be glaringly obvious sort of thing, but yeah, but no, it's good. Like I got a. I'll, we'll get to it later because linear. I know. Linear notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Drink. Brittany Murphy. Drink. 
No, no, it's only it's only when uh, when my linear notes get messed up. Oh come on! Drink. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> yes, this is true. Um, you've already messed up my linear trivia, but that doesn't matter so much. Uh, Brittany Murphy, who I know Amy is a big fan of because she told me about eight times whilst we were watching the film last night. Um, I, bet all of her... from, I bet that's from Girl Interrupted, the film. Probably, I have I no think idea. All girls like that film. Yeah, and Isn't the she same. Dead now? Yeah, she is. Uh, okay. But, um, Next, I was going to say, she kind of disappeared, but this would be why, because she's dead. Okay, yeah. ignore me. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I won't, because our listeners clearly like it when we're insensitive and crass. So I'll probably just leave it in. <laughs> uh, she's got a scene in Girl Interrupted where she stores chickens under the bed, and it is one of the most... It's just horrible horrible thing to watch is uh in this men i think she- i've only ever seen it once i think she's in a like a mental asylum and she's hiding chick it's just really weird and bizarre and unsettling and i did not enjoy watching it one bit cool. but uh, well, she did an amazing job well uh she did a pretty good job on this because she managed to film all of her scenes in a single day well well she's not she's only really She's in the bar like once or twice and then she's in the apartment and that's about it, right? Yeah, I think yeah. pretty much, yeah. I don't think she appears... Yeah, because she, she only appears in the bar like twice and then there's the whole scene in the apartment. Yeah, other than that, Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was, she was the only one that managed to do that. I know there was, there was some really weird filming schedules on this film. Uh, I haven't written any notes about it but since we're talking about that anyway. Um... And there were actors who appeared in the same scenes as one another, but due to, they were never they weren't actually yeah. there. Um, I can't remember who it is. Uh, it's, I think it's Mickey Rourke and Elijah Wood. Oh, okay. Um, most yeah, that was the only scene they were actually sort of together. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a couple of them, and and although they were in scene, I think the the uh, Michael Madsen and Bruce Willis one where they're in the car driving. Oh yeah. Yeah, and they they were both filmed on separate days. It doesn't shock <laughs> me. I think when you've got, like, I, I heard something about Endgame where it was just a nightmare to try and get all the yeah. all of them uh, actors in the same place at the same time. And I think mm-hmm. when you've got such a big cast of A and B list actors to try and mm. schedule them all to be in the same place at the same time must be a fucking logistical nightmare yeah so yeah they got a bit creative um director robert rodriguez has been quoted as saying that he doesn't consider the film to be an adaptation so much as a translation of the original work this is the reason there's no screenwriting credit the only mention of writing is frank miller as the creator of the graphic novels yeah well, that was, that was pretty cool, um, because obviously most people, as we've seen previously, they're fighting for writer credits and things oh, like that. Yeah. And he's just like, nah, not putting one in there. Well, <laughs> Nobody wrote this. <laughs> there's, certain, there's certain frames where they hold or the way it's um, like the because it's all obviously shot on green screen and yeah. they have to do all the effects. There's certain bits that are literally are panels, panels from the, the comic yeah. books. Which, which I own all of, and they are fantastic. Um, but yeah, there are like direct panels from it, which is 
I think why he gets director credit as well because he obviously yeah. drew the comic. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if I went back and got all my comics out and read for them and all the dialogue was more or less the same as well. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll get onto that, but I think that's one of that's one of the issues I have with this film. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll get onto that anyway. Um, the customer is always right. The uh, sequence at the beginning of the movie with Josh Hartnett and oh yeah. The, the blonde in the red dress whose name I don't know. Uh, oh, actually, I've got it here, I think. Marley Shelton. Um, okay. That was actually filmed before Frank Miller had completely agreed to let Rodriguez make the film. Oh, was that um, his pitch? Uh, sort of, yeah. He'd already made his pitch. Frank was kind of like, mm, I, don't, I don't know. So Rodriguez basically got uh, Hartnett and Shelton uh, down, filmed that scene in, in one day in front of a green screen did yeah. the, the the wizardry for it uh, and showed it to Miller to prove that it he could be do done it. in a way yeah. that that you know represented the graphic novels and that was apparently what what sealed it for him was seeing that and then obviously it was included uh, in the film even yeah. though it was only sort of almost like a screen test sort of thing yeah yeah which is probably, I... probably a, te- a te- testament to how good uh, those two were in that scene in a sort oh, yeah. of like this, this proof of concept thing was good enough I to go can, in the finished product. I mean, I can totally understand where Frank Miller's coming from as well, because there is a very distinct noir kind of style. Mm. And no one had really done it in cinema at that point. So if I was sitting there one day just doing whatever Frank Miller does, and somebody was trying to sell me, like, I can do it. I can make it look like the comic book. I can do a very good translation i can put the comic book up on screen i'd be like mm. oh, i'm not sure You're like, yeah not... can you though yeah and then he comes back with that i'd be like okay i'm done i'm in where's I'm the sold. paperwork <laughs> Let me sign. Yeah. <laughs> i will sign how much um, am i getting paid oh okay on one of the nights between filming days robert rodriguez put on a rock concert at a local nightclub uh, his band was the opening act, and the headlining act was Bruce Willis and his band, The Accelerators. Um, the, the concert was attended by the movie's cast and crew, as well as the cast and crew of A Scanner Darkly, which was filming nearby at the same time. And all the profits from the show were donated to charity. Oh, I like well, that. that. Was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I it's like, like in the middle of making a film, he just like does plays, not only plays a gig, but organises a gig. <laughs> I think it's good, like, it's, I suppose, like, when you're one of these actors, like, the kind of calibre that are in this film, you mm. kind of bounce from one from one project to another, to another, to another. So yeah. to, have, to be, on, be on set and have be in a situation where, like, somebody's making it fun, somebody's putting on fun yeah. things for everyone to do, it must be, like, a, a nice breath of fresh air, really. Yeah, to have something like that. A nice break from the the, the acting norm, yeah. so to speak. And uh, shout out A Scanner Darkly, because that is a pretty good film. I've got it upstairs on That DVD. is actually a pretty good film, yeah. yeah. I have to add it to the list. Yeah, I've, God, I haven't watched that in a very long time. I mean, either. I have to go back and watch it, actually, before I put it on the list. <laughs> Just to make Stop sure. It. Yeah. Um, we have some interesting alternate casting choices this week. This is my absolute some of them, favorite part. Yeah. Some of them uh, probably would have been really good. Others, like this first one, I'm not I'm not sold on. 
Um, Johnny Depp, because Johnny Depp apparently gets approached to be in everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he was originally envisioned by Rodriguez to play Jackie Boy. Um, I can see it. I mm, I can see it. I think Del Toro does a f- does. Well, Del Toro nails it, and uh, yeah. So comparing any anybody else's kind of version of that character to the one that he portrays, I think yeah. I think is going to be a losing battle. But if I, if he hadn't have done it, and it had just bought, and it had just been Johnny, I could have bought it. I'm not necessarily sure he could have bought that kind of sleazy, horrible. Yeah, I think. But, Johnny Depp as a as a character himself is too pervasive these days I think. Yeah. So you, even when he's trying to I think even if he was trying to do that sleazy sort of harsh grubbiness you wouldn't really have bought into it. It it kind of would have ruined the suspension of disbelief because yeah. you'd be like yeah but that's Johnny Depp and we're like oh look at him he's in the oh any great. Oh well, yeah we love a bit of Johnny. <laughs> you know. He, he may have even bought slightly more levity to the role which i'm not sure would have done, yeah yeah i'm not sure would have actually um fit the tone really i just like to say we're not questioning johnny depp's acting chops because i oh, know um, on this podcast we love johnny depp we, we are we are big johnny depp fans um in fact i might have to rewatch secret window just because it's a very atypical johnny depp film um and you I know, know i, I can see me going that way you know he plays a uh a writer who goes mental and like okay. buries his wife in the vegetable garden. It's a really good I, film. I think I'd, I think I'd really enjoy that. You've sold I think you me. would. I'm surprised you haven't, you haven't seen it, but yeah, uh, secret window, really good film actually. Okay. Um, and it's Johnny Depp, not being Johnny Depp. There's okay. no eyeliner or anything. There's no, it's amazing. there's no prosthetics. There's no, no over the top. Oh, okay. No, it's really good. Um, the role of Rourke Jr., was originally lined up for Leonardo DiCaprio. But, oh, so the only reason Johnny Depp didn't take the Jackie Boy role is because he already had prior commitments and he wouldn't have been able to make the filming schedule. Okay. Um, Rourke Jr. was originally lined up for, like I said, Leonardo DiCaprio, but he eventually uh, declined for as yet undisclosed reasons. I think um, not playing a child molester. Um, yeah. I think especially in 2005, like, Leo was... He was like top three male actors in Hollywood probably at the time yeah. and like had a pretty good image. I don't like coming off. I think, the yeah, back that of... time he was still kind of riding high on his pretty boy image and doing yeah. that would have would have probably upset a lot of his his hardcore his fans. fans at that yeah. time. Um, I mean, the interesting one, uh, the role of well, the role of Rourke Jr. in the latter part of the film when he becomes the yellow bastard. Yeah, uh, was offered to Steve Buscemi. Uh, that too old. I, I, I think it would have been the good. Only problem with it, yeah. Yeah, I like Steve Buscemi. I think he's a good actor, but mm. he's a bit Even old. Even in 2006, he was he was probably yeah. too old for that role. He wouldn't really be junior. He'd look no. more senior. <laughs> I actually read something about Steve Buscemi that really made me respect him. Um, mm. Before he became an actor, he was a I think he was a New York City firefighter. And he mm. was in, he was in the city when nine uh, eleven happened, and at this point he was like a well paid, well respected, famous actor. The first yeah. thing he did when he found out was grab his old firefighting gear and run down to. Ground yeah, Zero. I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. So big up, Steve Buscemi. He's another one of these actors who's supposed to be a really nice guy. 
Yeah, um, well, it's, it's weird because was... you hear all these stories about like actors being arse hats and stuff, and like you know they're they're all stuck up and arrogant, and then every so often you hear a story about one of these guys, and you're like, oh man, you good guy Steve. Wonder, you gotta wonder who's putting these stories out into the world, though. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> if, I swear it... to God, if you say the word narrative, no, I'm just saying, like if if you're on set with someone and you're trying to get them to do something that's not in the best interest of them or the film, and they say no. Yeah, yeah then your perspective of that is that they're difficult and they're problematic. So if you then go and put that out into the world, it might, like, without full context of what it is you're trying to get them to do, people can get a bad reputation. Yeah, that's true. Somebody sent me um, an article about Joss Whedon and how his his ex-wife was having a go at him for, uh, for cheating on her and all this stuff. And I just thought, like, whilst there's probably... well. There's never smoke without fire, but at the same time, like, what what was her agenda in putting that out into the world? Probably trying to get more money is, is <laughs> what I would suggest in a divorce. It's probably like, pay me to keep quiet or I'm going to tell the world all this stuff. Yeah, tell everyone. Yeah. yeah. Rubbish your bad name and your good reputation. So you've just got to take everything you hear, you don't see firsthand with a pinch of salt because you don't know why people are putting these things out into the world. Wow. Okay, Fox. Jesus, trust no one. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, trust no one. <laughs> anyway, that got you know, kind of unexpectedly dark. Um, the truth is out there. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> do you know what? That would be pretty cool to go back and watch some old X Files. That would be good. Keep, it's on my list of things to do. Is go back and, and rewatch the X Files because I was I was basically a kid. I think I was still at school. I remember watching a whole bunch of them, not in order, because obviously I didn't have control over, over my life at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I remember watching a bunch of them and just being like fascinated. I thought it was amazing. When mm. they kind of brought it back and did like the new series, I kind of I watched it. I didn't enjoy yeah, it I didn't as much. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would like to go back and watch like the original run again, because I think that would be fantastic. Uh, Michael Douglas was offered the role of Hartigan. No, which... never would have worked. Yeah, I think... I don't think Michael Douglas has got enough machismo. I don't think he's got enough masculinity to pull that role off. Really? Michael Douglas is pretty masculine. Yeah, but not in not in a Bruce Willis kind of way. I, you wouldn't see no, true, Michael yeah. Douglas as John McClane, would you? <laughs> no that's true <laughs> yeah okay but after, yeah that was a, a, an interesting choice i don't I know, know why he declined it but i know he's he slept did. with like tens of thousands of women so he's obviously pretty masculine but <laughs> yeah i'd buy bruce willis in the role a lot a lot more than than i would michael yeah. Duncan. bruce bruce willis in a trench coat being a grizzled cop it's just it's like coming home yeah. <laughs> it's like putting putting on your favorite pair of slippers or something <laughs> my last one is uh the role of senator senator Rourke was offered offered to both willem defoe and christopher walken i'd buy either of them i i would buy either of them yeah. as um not senator Rourke as as the, the cardinal cardinal yeah, that's it cardinal yeah. Rourke. i'd buy either of those because i kind of <laughs> you know uh, justifiably or not, I, I would kind of group Willem Dafoe, Christopher Walken, and Rutger Hauer in that same 
kind of subtext of actors that can be really creepily uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. <laughs> so I would buy either of those two as that role. Not necessarily as the senator. Um, yeah, because now I think about it. The senator's more Card- sleazy rather than... Yeah, Cardinal Rook is like clearly the brains of the Rook family. Like he's yeah, he's like smart and dangerous. Whereas Senator Rook, Mm. you're right. He's like one of my neighbours appears to be having a rave. Oh okay. (laughs) Senator Rook strike he's because there's a line of dialogue in it. At some point he says like Cardinal Rook got him the job as senator. Yeah, he seems like the idiot younger brother that the cardinals put in power so yeah, yeah. i'm not necessarily sure i'd buy them as senator but definitely as 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 cardinal yeah that's probably why they didn't go with it in the end i don't know who actually does play senator rock i meant to look it up but then i went um, to bed it was very I've late seen him. i've seen him in other things but i don't i don't he's not recognizable enough that i would know his name no so, apologies to that guy yeah sorry he's uh, had a far just... far better career than i will ever have but apologies. <laughs> uh, we mentioned earlier about all the green screen and digital filming for this. Um, only four physical sets were actually created for this film. And that was okay. uh, Katie's bar. Yeah. Shelley's apartment. Hartigan's uh, cell. Yeah. And uh, I've lost the thing. Oh, the hospital in the epilogue. Yeah. Where Becky's walking down the hall. Uh, the rest of the, all the rest of the locations were all green screen. Yeah, so, I've seen, I've seen some like behind the stage, well, behind the scenes, sorry, kind of footage mm. of, of of them filming it, and it's literally there will literally be a whole room with green screens and then a car, just in the middle yeah. of the soundstage, and then they're all It's really weird because yeah. some of them you you can see, some of them you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's clearly oh, yeah. CG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, others you would you wouldn't you know. Would never know. You get completely no. lost, yeah, completely lost in what's going on, and then it'll be another scene, and you're like, "Oh, I'm kind of, yeah, yeah, this is CG," and then you'll get, yeah. and then something else come along, and you'll get lost again. Yeah, I, I, the thing I noticed was you can tell the difference between the real physical things that are there and then the computer. Yes. It, but um, I still, I still think hands down, this is a masterpiece of creativity when it comes to well when it comes to recreating a comic book so accurately on video mm. i think yeah i it's very it's very cleverly done the whole yeah. thing um where's my next i've done the physical notes one right robert rodriguez who credits frank miller's visual style in the comic this is this is cut and pasted because this is another long one i couldn't bother to rewrite <laughs> uh, Robert Rodriguez, Rodriguez, who credits Frank Miller's visual style in the comic as being as relevant as his own in this movie, insisted that Miller receive a co-director credit, as you mentioned yeah. earlier. The Directors Guild of America would not allow it. Yeah, as a so... result, Rodriguez resigned from the Directors Guild of America, saying it was easier for me to quietly resign before shooting because otherwise I'd be forced to make compromises as I was unwilling to make or set a precedent that might hurt the guild later on. Now, doing so cost him his director's job on John Carter, which he was supposed to begin shooting as soon as uh, he wrapped with Fin uh, Sin City. Yeah. So it actually cost him. I mean, John Carter is, by almost all accounts, not a very good film. No. Um, but then if it had been done by 
Rodriguez. Who knows? Who it knows? may be better. Yeah, it could be, yeah. But yeah, it cost him uh, quite a high-paying job getting some of that. That's a Disney film, isn't it, John Carter? Uh, I don't know, Is but I know it was one of the big budget. Yeah, so it cost him some big money uh, to, to do that. So, you know, again, credit to res- Rodriguez. Yeah, you got to respect the fact that he stood by his beliefs and he was just like, yeah, no, you know he, what? he believed that was that was valid and, yeah, it cost him a high-paying job and he still stood by it, which is, yeah, mad props, bro. Yeah, I think... I think we've we've talked about the uh, the director's guild before, and I think this and might the be one guild. of the things, or oh, well, whatever the guild we talked All about before. Yeah, and how they um, and they've got some really weird archaic roles, like mm. George Lucas had to leave in order to not have credits at the beginning of Star Wars. Like so many different people have had to leave over the years just to do what they want to do, which yeah. make which kind of makes me wonder why being in a guild why you would be in a guild at all if the guild isn't making like helping you do your job it, why must, would you... it must do something positive then i don't know maybe it opens doors you know perhaps certain studios will only allow guild directors yeah, in and things like that if you got it's dropped... a bit of an old boys club isn't it yeah have you got dropped from john car car is that, is that what it's called yeah yeah john carter yeah but not being in there then maybe yeah maybe you're right maybe yeah. you have to be in there to get certain jobs yeah odd but there we go that is my uh trivia for sin city cool. so we're now on to linear notes and i only have about the same amount of linear notes this week as i did trivia which is okay. very unusual for me probably because i was half asleep um when i watched the film and uh, had to translate all, all my notes this morning into something legible <laughs> i got uh... Yeah, I got I got a fair amount of notes. This could be a short episode, but yeah, yeah we put out three-hour yeah. episodes quite a lot. Two-hour one, it's not the end of the world. I want to bang out a quick. Like you say that we're already an hour and twelve in. Yeah, so. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, my first note: if Josh Josh Hartnett's character wasn't so attractive, he would be creepy. Oh God, yeah. Will, he does when that. When he walks up to really it, it's well. like I've been watching you for days and all this stuff. I'm thinking like. Any other like any other man, well, ninety nine point nine percent of other men in this world walk yeah. up to a woman who's alone and just like, I've been watching you for days. I've been watching you. Yeah, she's yeah. screaming. He's getting arrested. <laughs> it's. Getting a, I, I, I didn't think we'd be dropping this bombshell on on this particular episode, but seriously, massive double standard there. Because like you say, if I walked up to some woman I didn't know at a party cornered her alone on a balcony at night and was yeah. like i've been watching you for days she would nope the fuck out of there and i'd yeah. be getting a score at the very least i would be getting escorted from the party or people would be warned to avoid me but yeah. if you're good looking and you do that the floodgates open and that bitch is gushing on the paving stones <laughs> it's just <laughs> bitches please yeah i mean women complain about like oh attractive women get this attractive women get that but it works both ways like you're it not going to take that kind of creepy stalker behavior from me but you'll take it from someone that you want to bang so it's like, like you get the whole the, 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 the sexual harassment or inappropriate behavior thing in the office and i've seen this firsthand i ain't naming names or anything but i have seen it firsthand an attractive guy flirts with a, a, a female in the office regardless yeah. of their age or station and it's just, it's harmless banter. Yeah. You get some troglodyte engineer waddles up and tries pulling the same thing. And she's all like, uh, that's not appropriate. 
and right. I have seen that firsthand at jobs I've worked at, and it's. Oh, I've seen it. I've you. seen it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That 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 grinds my gears. Yeah. Gripping moment. Me yeah. I mean, <laughs> purely jealousy because if I was good looking, I'd just be. Oh, I'd just God. be out again all the time. Yeah. But because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a podcast where I complain about it. <laughs> it's the joys of having a podcast where you get to bitch about this sort of thing. Um, um, this this is another one of been... those films okay. that, that has the fake, the fake no credits thing. Because you yeah. see Josh Hartnett and, and what have you have that little scene where you know he only gets away with it because he's a sexy man whore. Yeah. Um, and you're like, okay, great, yeah, we're getting straight into this because boo, boo, it immediately sets the tone for the film because you're like, oh, oh no, and then fucking ganks a bitch um and then you're like okay right what's gonna happen next oh two minutes of boring ass credits i was about to say these are the best credits yet no they're not they're awful i enjoyed them maybe because i like i'm a big comic book fan so i loved all the art yeah yeah, i thought it was good (laughs) my note actually says the best credits yet you know what i prefer actually if if films insist on doing um like this this bullshit opening credit stuff and it's not going to be interesting just just like uh a wall of text containing all of the credits that they need to put up just on screen for 30 seconds. Okay. Yeah. Just perhaps a little bit of black background music just on the screen, no messing about and then gone. So yeah, at this point in the, at at that point in the film, like when you, when, when the credits first start, if you're in the cinema, you're you're sitting down, you're getting comfortable in your seat. The lights have gone down. You're opening your, your, your Maltesers and all that sort of shit. Um, And then all those people are like, Oh shit, you haven't turned my phone off. So, Nobody really cares about the, the the opening credits. If you're at home, yeah, everyone sat down. You put the film on. There's always at least one person. One eternity later. So basically, starting credits bad. Don't okay. bother with them. And to be fair, if I'm at oh. home watching it, I normally just hit fast forward. So yeah, or I'll stick the film on. I've yeah. started playing, so it plays through the credits, and I'll go out and I'll get a drink or whatever, so that I'm back inside. I'm not watching the credits. It's bullshit. Why bother? Stupid. Yeah. Stop doing credits. We don't like them. <laughs> um, inner monologues are normally avoided, but they actually work in this film. In some, For some reason, they seem to be able to get like the voiceover to actually work as a, as a legitimate storytelling idea. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Which is good because obviously it's from a comic book. So a lot of the stuff is in a monologue. But yeah. uh, there are other films like the uh, animated adaption of um, The Dark Knight Returns, mm. which was also written by Frank Miller. Well, the, the comic book was anyway, um, yeah. where they strip out all of the inner monologues, which is some of the best actual literature in that book. Mm-hmm. But um, somehow, some way, they seem to get it to work in this film. So props mm. to them. I've, I've... You, you messed up my linear notes already because I have a note right near my the end of my list of notes about this, and ninety percent of this film, yeah, ninety <laughs> percent of this film is monologues and voiceovers. Yeah, and and in fact, even a lot of the time, even when two characters are talking to each other, they're not actually talking to each other, especially since we know that there were scenes that were filmed with two actors supposed yeah. to be on set that weren't there. They're just monologuing at one another. It's it's kind of nobody has conversations they all just announce things they make statements oh, yeah. they don't have conversations it's really it's especially at the beginning it's very jarring it is yeah i mean yeah it is at the beginning i mean i settled into it 
obviously I chose this because I love this. So mm. um, I sailed into it and got my head around it quite quickly. But it is quite weird at the beginning. Um, I, I, that's, that's really that's a really good point. I've, my last note on this, but it, since it fits in very nicely here, yeah. um, the quality of the acting. Now, I'm not sure. There's, there's one of two reasons for this. The, the quality of the acting seems to get better as the film. Now, like the, the example I've got here is Bruce Willis's second part of his Hartigan story. It, it seems to be much better than the first half. Now, I'm not sure if that's um, how it was written or whether it's just because I got used to the style and the tone as the film progressed. So by the time we got to the second part of it, my mind had adjusted to the way the, the, way the film works. Yeah. So it worked better or whether it was because it did get better. I don't know. Maybe it was a bit of both. And then the actors became, well, assuming that they kind of shot it almost in a linear fashion, maybe mm. the actors were getting more used to the, um, the weird circumstances that they were, performing under considering that like as we've talked about half the characters weren't even in the same scenes together yeah and it was all green screen and like you couldn't always know what was going on around you so maybe they just adapted as well as filming went on and it got a bit better yeah it just it's it's bizarre because it seems like in some of the i i had a little bit of difficulty sort of wrapping my head around the, the style and that um it's it's i mean obviously the whole film is over the top because it's a comic it's a it's a, oh, yeah, almost yeah, yeah. it's a true recreation of a comic book so a lot of stuff is ott um like the, the action the dialogue and the premise of a lot of the plots oh is yeah ott but oh, it's yeah. also it's also quite cheesy and i i can't tell if it's intentional or not but in some cases it just seems bad like like badly scripted badly acted some of some of the scenes especially earlier on they seem like almost seem like they're from the first day of of table reads rather than the finished product like the actors were still feeling their way through the lines i don't i don't know if that's just my brain struggling to mesh properly with the way the film's portraying itself or i don't know there's definitely a there's definitely a theme of i mean michael madsen i think early on in the film Mm -hmm. it's pretty like he's not great and I've seen mm-hmm. him in other films and he's been he's really awful. Good. Yeah. But early on, he's not good. He's got this kind of weird delivery and he's weird. He's wooden, isn't it? Yeah. But I'm not sure there, cause there's obviously a definite theme of like forties, fifties kind of noir. Yeah. You definitely got that noir film, uh, that film noir feel to it. Yeah. And like the old pulp kind of the old pulp fiction kind of stories. And like there are certain points where the character, the act, actors, sorry, really lean into it. There's a few bits with Brittany Murphy where she goes from sounding like the character Shelley, I think her name is, to sounding yeah. like some like 30s kind of Hollywood yeah. film star. <laughs> she has like the delivery and the way she acts it. Like I don't know yeah. if, if one of the directions was like really lean into that old kind of 40s, 50s kind of delivery of the um the script and the way you're acting yeah. but it, yeah there there are definitely some bits where i'm kind of like oh as much as i love this i'm not i'm not loving that i'm not loving i'm not loving michael madsen at the beginning whatsoever 
the, the the quality of it seems to be a bit a bit like this call. It's very up and down. Yeah, miss. Yeah. Sometimes it's like it's perfect, and you're like, that's really good. And other times, they they it's almost like a an Amdram performance of something, or they're being fed the lines as they're doing it. It's it's really bizarre. Yeah. Disconcerting to watch. <laughs> um, there we go. Well, are we going to mention the Weinstein's or? Um, you know. I wasn't going to because I didn't want to trigger anyone. <laughs> And, but, and how Harvey didn't kill himself. Uh, well, like <laughs> he should have taken, he sh- really should have taken a leaf out of Hartigan's book and just killed him at the end, killed himself right at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think we need to talk about him really. Okay, cool. We've we've done that mention there. There we go. Except we have acknowledged the controversy. <laughs> no, I feel bad for Bob because yeah, he gets drawn into a lot, and uh, yes. it wasn't necessarily his fault. As as well, as yet, a... nothing has been has been uh, leveled at him. So, yeah, yeah. I have to say though, like a huge part of my my kind of like the films I love, Harvey Weinstein had a had a hand in them. And yeah, I know. I'm it's... not 100 percent sure how I feel about that, but yeah. it's one of those it's one of those one of those instances where you have to separate almost separate the art from the artist. Yeah. I yeah. think it's easier because he was behind the scenes. He's not on screen. If it He's if it turned up. Willis was involved or something. Oh yeah, that would be a little bit different because you wouldn't be able to watch Die Hard. Even you know, even if you wanted to, it would it would taint the whole thing. I think it's a very much a case of separating the art from the artist and and enjoying the film for what it is and for what everyone else brought to it, yeah. rather than you know basically the man that wrote the check to say you can go and make yeah, it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that was, that was that was a very mature way. That was a very mature conversation about that whole uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like. Yeah, he's a monster, but let's not dwell this, on that. This interbearded robot has clearly uh, has clearly rubbed off on us. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've made very 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 few horrific jokes so far. I don't know yeah, it's not been. It's, yeah, I mean, to be fair, the film the film does a lot of that for us. Makes uh, uncomfortable uh, topics oh, of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get on to some of them, some of them things that kind of, even though I love the film, I still feel uncomfortable about later. Yeah. Um, Hygen says. Uh, during the beginning when he goes to save Nancy mm. and he's having the face off with uh, Rourke's kid the first time he, there's a weird bit in the script where he says keep his mind off the girl yeah blah 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 and then the first thing he does is turn around and says run Nancy run and it's like how <laughs> are you meant to be taking, taking his mind off the girl if your next line of dialogue is to basically address the girl name? talk directly to her and tell her to do something that he doesn't want her to do like yeah there could have been a like a second or third draft on that scene i think that, that yeah even from the first time i watched it that never really sat right with me <laughs> almost feels like there may there, maybe there was more dialogue in there originally that was that was cut out or something yeah yeah, yeah i think so i think it probably went on a bit longer and then they were like oh it's two hours this film we need to cut some stuff out we don't some shit have out. to have all of this we can just cut this middle part of the scene out and go straight from a to b yeah um there's one there's one for you there's one that <laughs> you normally bring up on every on every pod <laughs> there's so much smoking in this film do you know what i it's probably because of the the style of the film yeah i didn't even notice it no there is there is so much everyone has, has got a fag hanging out of their mouth at some but, point 
and I think because it, I think it's probably because my brain is already conditioned to accept film noir as all being everyone smoking and it's yeah. all the scenes are full of smoke that it just fits. It doesn't seem out of place. No, it me. does. It fits. It fits the tone in a way that seeing a starship pilot light up on the bridge doesn't. Yeah, that seems jarring to me. Whereas this, it's just like, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, no. that just makes sense. It was in the forties and fifties where people thought smoking was healthy, so everyone's <laughs> fucking lighting up every two minutes. But yeah, that, you said forties and fifties, right? I, mean, I know, obviously, the, the, the film noir—that's that's, that's the, the era for it. When is this film supposed to be set? Because they're driving like fifties cars. I at think, one point, well, mate, he's wearing Chuck Taylors. Yeah, um, I think and he busts this, out a car phone. <laughs> I think this is like Frank Miller's ideal world. In as much as yeah. it's got his, because he wears like a fedora. He's got that very old kind of noir style about him as a person. And I think this yeah. is just like, I'm going to take some elements of modern day and I'm going to, the, the bits I like, like the converse and yeah. you know, sort somebody on my mobile phone and I'm going to throw him into this idolized kind of version of a gritty kind of 40s, 50s type place yeah. but yeah it's it doesn't there's no timestamp on it there's there's no hints there's like a lot of like this could come straight out of this era but at mm. no point did i ever say like okay this happened 10 years it's ago like some, some of the weapons they're using are relatively modern yeah others are really not like the like bloody uh what is her name the girl uh is it nancy yeah, oh, yeah nancy, yeah, nancy. The, the the weapon the the fucking revolver that oh, she has in her glove yeah. box, which is like, like a, a fucking gun. yeah that's a proper cult revolver it's yeah. like yeah that that thing would have been old even when these films were originally made you know the film yeah. noir era that was old um, but then you got like the helicopters and those helicopters are very modern helicopters oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's, I think you're right it's just a, a pastiche of all the different bits that that he, he liked loves. and has yeah. put in yeah um, no yeah that makes sense. When, when we switch from Hartigan to Marv, and he first yeah. wakes up with um, Goldie, Goldie <laughs> and the police storm the building, and he escapes. Yeah. Every time I've ever watched this film, there's the bit where he flies, he jumps over the banister, yeah, and he flies the banister down, yeah. grabs the other banister, and swings up. Yeah, I get phantom pain in my shin. Yeah, every he time he does it. Thing. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, I know you're like a beast of a man and nothing can stop you except from electricity. But like, you'd have no shins. No, no. Like, the bottom of your Shattered. legs would not be workable anymore <laughs> if you'd done that. That that scene, that whole um, the, the, the hallway scene with the police and, and Marv, it's, I, I think um, the MCU needs to send rodriguez and miller like uh, a fruit basket or something because uh, that whole scene well they basically recreated with captain america and winter soldier yeah he, uh i can't remember which film it is but yeah, yeah basically is it yeah i think it is yeah yeah um yeah they, they they almost recreate that thing with all the 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 police charging up the stairs and those two fighting their way through it there's a very um, very similar scene with Rorschach in Watchmen. 
Yes, there is. Yeah. And it also reminds me of the end of uh, Batman 1989 when they're in the clock tower and the police are rushing up the stairs. Is it a clock tower? They're in the tower. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, the big Joker. bell tower. Yeah. yeah. And the police are running up the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bit, become a bit. That's a bit of a trope, isn't it? Actually, like I said before, if you want to be original in this world, you are going to some pretty weird places. You can Every, do some weird shit. Yeah, everything has <laughs> been done before, in some way, shape, or form. Um, there's the 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 special effects in this film. Yes, some of them have aged. Well, I'm, I can't badly. tell if they've aged badly or if they were designed that way. Like the, the the cars is is one that sticks out to me horribly. It looks like something from a mid nineties video game. Whenever there's yeah, a shot of a car driving down the driving down the road or doing anything that hasn't got where, the characters in it. Yeah, where yeah, where yeah. it's clearly not a real car. It's yeah. the, that driving down the road. It just looks dreadful, I and think... it jars against the rest of the film because the rest of it still looks really good. Yeah, that just I don't know. It's it's like stylized so yeah it, it looks it's the cars look stylized but i'm not sure if it's on purpose or if it's just because like i said it has just aged badly i can't that tell could, but that could have literally been the limit of the technology that they had available to them i mean yeah um right sorry where it keeps pausing it totally pulls me out at the moment <laughs> um heads down toilets I think Frank Miller may have had a bad experience as a child because twice it happens in two different storylines with two different characters. They get their heads put down toilets. Yeah. He, yeah. Is, he is projecting there. Oh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> um, modern cars, they all look like electric shavers. I couldn't agree with Marv more. <laughs> like i've never been a car person i mean i didn't even pass my test till i was 37 because i've had no interest in cars or driving but over the years the only aesthetically pleasing cars i've seen i like the classics i really like the old classic cars i think they've got a sense of personality about them that's lost with modern day cars where they all look more or less the same and lack any kind of real personality so yeah i i, I struggle buying cars these days um because i'm finding at that point in my life where i'm not just going to ebay and finding the cheapest car that i can yeah. afford uh, and and just you know going and buying it for for a hand handful of notes sort of thing i'm at the point where i can i now have a little bit more flexibility in the cars i can choose and i find it really difficult because most modern cars they are they're just these bland personality lists just gray yep. boxes yeah. and it's just like they're awful i really struggle because i'm trying to balance what i need practically because you know i'm a sensible family man now oh, so it yeah. has to have good that's a good mpg and it's got to have space in the back for the kids and the shopping and the wife and the dog and gosh isn't there so much to consider um Considering you hate the Conservative Party, you just sounded like number one Conservative Party member. <laughs> it's just being middle-aged, unfortunately. Um, but I also, as you can probably attest in my cars, I, I only drive cars that I like. Yeah. Trying to find one that ticks all those boxes and that I like, it's becoming increasingly difficult. <laughs> I have to say, like, we had some great times. It was a Rover, right? That green car that we used to drive to, to and from gigs in. No, that was a uh, Vauxhall Astra. 
I like that no cast. We had a we had good times in that car, so I've got good memories yeah. of that one. But aside from that, that when you drive car. the black cab, that was my absolute yeah. favorite. Yeah, I, uh, I would yeah. really like to get another black cab. <laughs> it not, was such a good car. I'd like one day if I ever got the money, I'd like a nice kind of car with some personality, like unlike from the forties or fifties. In fact, my absolute hundred percent favorite car I've ever seen, and you're gone again. I'm still here, honest. Yeah, well, I can't. I can't hear you, and you're still halfway through having a drink on my screen. (laughs) Um, Yeah, my absolute favourite car I've ever seen. Um, It's random. It's in a in a music video. I can't tell you what the car is. I can't tell you what the make (laughs) is, the style is, but um, the Transplants made this video called Diamonds and Guns years ago mm. like early 2000s and in the video they're driving around in this car and it's fucking awesome like that and any car from american graffiti they're like <laughs> the cars that i love yeah them old yeah, yeah like i i think these days the flames up the front are pretty cheesy but there's a there's something about it that i still i still love yeah <laughs> if i if i ever became if i ever got some of that josh rogan money um I would, I would be, that would be one of the things I collected would be cars. I would have really? to have like a second house built just to have cars in it because I like, I like classic and quirky cars. You know, I would have my own black cab, you know, yeah. totally pimped out, you know, totally restored. But then I would, I'd also have like Cameras classics. And and I'd also... taxi, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it would have a fake taxi sticker across the back window. Logo, yeah. Um, but then I also like sports cars as well because I like to drive fast and I like to, to to I like to pretend I'm Anakin from that the opening scenes of Revenge of the Sith, yeah. um, or doing the, the the trench Death Star trench run. So yeah, I would have there are so many different cars that I would like and a big chunky four by four that gets like two miles to the gallon but can go off can drive up a fucking mountain sideways if I want you know those sorts of things. Um, so yeah, I would definitely collect them. <laughs> Without the Joe Rogan money, my dream, my more achievable dream is to have like a Land Rover or a Range Rover or something like that one day. Yeah. Because I like them. Like, they're probably the best modern car, in my opinion. But if I got the Joe Rogan money, my two dream ways of spending it would be like, as I've said before, disappear to New York, where I wouldn't need a car because there's no point in driving around there. Or... (laughs) disappear to the middle of nowhere and build a castle and then i probably wouldn't need a car either because i would never leave the grounds of my castle so yeah i'd get i'd get an armored personnel carrier There's, i can't remember what it is it's a apc it's an apc 60 or something no it's it's a it's a dutch one um and it is uh, obviously i'm a big warhammer fan yeah. um and the, the space marines default armored transport is called a rhino and it's basically this vehicle from like like the dutch um military um and i've seen there's a this video a video somewhere and someone painted it up like a space marine marines livery and everything and it's just this driving across like a a green laning course and it's just like oh my god i want one they go for about 60k or something and it's like i want one of those and that would be the vehicle for driving around my estate i would just (laughs) just (laughs) in that Gonna say you're buying an armored personnel character. Who the hell is shooting at you? I, I mean, they, they, 
I think this one can have tyres fitted as well. So if they've got tyres and lights and what have you, they are road legal. So, you know, I could, in theory, drive it. I mean, it would be totally impractical to take it yeah. to most places because you'd go around the corner and demolish a house. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, the fact that no, I could. <laughs> there's no way you're parking in the Harvest Centre car park in that. No way. <laughs> I did look the other, oh, the other year. Um, I think it was before, just before I bought the taxi, actually. I was looking at cars and I was looking at something really outlandish. Um, and I, I considered buying something like that. And I was thinking about the practicalities of it. I was like, it'd be re- actually, no, I think it was what I was doing the driving for the band because yeah, yeah. I was like, it'd be perfect because it's massive over the back. So everyone, there's seats for everyone, plenty of storage space. And I was like, can you imagine rocking up to a gig in an armored personnel carrier, <laughs> dropping the loading ramp and the band will just pile out the back. I was like, that'd be awesome. And I was thinking like, wouldn't be able to park it in the harbour centre. I'd have to park it outside somewhere. So I'd have to park over. This shows how long ago it was. But I'd have to park over at the square in their car park and walk across. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you wouldn't have to worry about anyone stealing it, would you? And it wouldn't matter oh, where you parked. You wouldn't be worried about anyone like swinging their door open into yours or, or scuffing oh, no. it as they pull into a parking space. Because <laughs> the ignorant drivers on in the world at the moment, yeah, it would probably be the most practical, efficient form yeah. of transport you can have yeah it'd be great like when you go across a roundabout and someone you're, you're going on the inside lane and someone just cuts your nose off it'd be perfect because you just carry on going then they just drive into the side of your armor plated vehicle <laughs> and they just be like write their car off and you'd be like got a dash cam mate shows yeah. you very clearly driving into me off you fuck <laughs> you just get home get it, get the spray paint out give it a fresh coat and you're done <laughs> um Right. One of the things in this film that makes me back to the film, obviously, one of the mm. things in this film that makes me uncomfortable is when Marv kills the wolf. It's fucking heartbreaking. He yeah. doesn't kill the wolf. Kills the dog, right? No, he punches it. Yeah, but then he, he says, it. No way I'd lose he my... feeds. He feeds. Um... Oh, what's Kevin. his name? Kevin. He feeds him to the wolf later I on assume, in the film. I assume there was more than one, more than one wolf, because he says there's no way I was going to use my gun on you, but it's it's yeah. there. It looks dead. So no, he, just, he just punches him. No, you can still see it breathing because I thought that, and I was like, did he just get? And then he says, oh, there's no way I was going to use my gun on you. It's not your fault. It's your it's your master that I'm here for. Yeah. And then later oh, on man. in the film, he says, um, we had to get blood. Make sure you can make sure your friend can smell it. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah. here he comes now, and the wolf comes trotting over. I just assumed there was more than one wolf. Okay. No, it's what? the same one because it's referred so, to as his pet wolf. So my my heart broke for absolutely no reason. Yeah, the wolf's fine. He eats I'll the bad take, guy. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that out of, out of my list of, list of things that makes me feel uncomfortable about this film. Well, um, so while we're talking about Frodo, yeah, he is possibly the creepiest character in cinema oh history. God, yeah, my I've, I've got a note here that says Kevin uh, slash Elijah Wood. Much like his Lord of the Rings co-star Ian Holm does creepy really, really he well. Yeah. Again, probably helped by the fact that he's known for being such a nice guy. Yeah, I think like I'm not sure of time, time, or whatever. I'm not sure when this came out in relation to Return of the King, mm. but I've kind of got this vague recollection of like Lord of the Rings finally wrapping things up, and then yeah. the first thing I heard that. Uh, Elijah Wood was doing after that was this 
And yeah, then I'm fairly certain it. this was post Lord of the Rings. Yeah. No, but like the first thing post Lord of the Rings, I think. That's yeah. my my vague recollection is, is is he came straight out of that franchise and his first choice of work was to come and play this, this weird cannibal. <laughs> and I just thought it was a masterstroke because I remember watching the film and being like, wow, I, wow. I did not expect this for Elijah Wood. But then I kind of thought like, yeah, it's great because if he'd come straight out and done something more akin to Frodo, he probably yeah. would have got um, typecast. Typecast, yeah. But yeah. the fact that he came out and did something so polar opposite, I thought it was a kind of a. Uh, I thought it was a bit genius, to be fair, as a yeah, choice a of a master work, stroke. You know? Yeah, yeah, like I actually, I, I, I actually have an anecdote. I have an, an, an anecdote, okay. is the word I'm looking for, about um, Elijah Wood. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of Animal Crossing, New Horizons. Yeah, this is the game, the, right? The Switch game, yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently, Elijah Wood is a, is a big fan. He's, he's quite a, a heavy player of the okay. game. Um, and on it, you can um, open your island up to other players. You can yeah. send out your island code, and people can come and visit your island, and they can buy and sell stuff on your island and talk to you and what have you. There, there are numerous clips and screenshots of Elijah Wood visiting other people's islands and just being the politest gamer ever. Oh, really? He's just, yeah, he just he goes there and he's like, oh, hi, guys. And people are like, wait a minute, aren't you, you're Elijah Wood? And he's like, yeah, hi. Just thought I'd come check out your island. Oh, I like this. I like that. Oh, can I, uh, have you got, are you interested in trading and things like that? And he just like, yeah, he's just like this nicest guy who just pops up on people's Animal Crossing islands, just freaks them the fuck out, com- compliments them on what they've done with the island, and then buggers off. And I it's think just like, <laughs> I'd buy it totally because you, I mean, you look at him and there isn't a better person in the world i think that could be cast as frodo as like the selfless kind of hero mm-hmm. that's just gonna give up everything to save the world like because he does come across in real life as that person but yeah. as we can as we see in this film what an actor because he yeah. pull, pulls off creepy cannibal just as well as he pulls off nice guy i'll tell you yeah i was gonna say like daniel radcliffe who played harry potter i know you're not into mm. harry potter but after he after that franchise kind of wound down, he made he I think he kind of tried the same Elijah Wood thing because they're very similar in the fact that they were yeah the the kind of the roles they were cast in in these huge franchises. Anyone and, seen uh, them both in the, in a room at the same time? No, no. Could, just saying, no. just putting it out there, people. Um, but yeah, he he made a lot of interesting choices. He did like <laughs> the woman in black, which I thought was terrible. I oh, thought that it was was awful. terrible. But he played like a Nazi. He's in a he's a Nazi in a film. Like he made some really interesting choices as well. But I don't. I feel like he's still almost typecast. I feel like people were giving yeah. him weird roles, but everyone just looks at him as Harry Potter. Harry Maybe Potter. because there was like eighty-seven Harry Potter films, and there was only three Lord of the Rings films. Yeah, but, I think that helps. And I think. Lord of the Rings was massive, but I think Harry Potter eclipsed it as well. Mm. So I think he's, I think he can carry on acting and doing these really interesting roles for the rest of his life. A lot like um, Batman, what's his name? Robert Pattinson. After he came out of the Twilight (laughs) franchise, he literally was just like, I'm only doing indie films. 
for a yeah. long period of times he, he just did like independent films and just chose really obscure weird roles to, to kind of learn i think he said he was just trying to like become a better actor and by doing these different things he was able to hone his skills a lot more yeah and again i think like he's almost been typecasting as much as the next thing he's doing in the public eye is batman Mm. which is going to be a huge franchise like they get from what i understand is um this adam reeves i think his name is the guy matt reeves i think actually is the name of the guy that's doing the new batman film Mm. they're building it to be like a lot like a um like the next nolan kind of franchise of batman yeah and uh from what from what i read it sounds a lot like they're basing it on um the book hush which is fucking is a really good book and well they've cast like every every fucking super villain villain in gotham and the only kind of reference material i know of that does that is this book hush it's kind of set out over a year and every every issue obviously because they come out monthly every issue has like a different a different uh villain in it so i think that might be like where they're going with it i hope so because i think that would make a fantastic film but <laughs> how do i get onto batman uh, um by way of robert pattinson and Daniel Radcliffe, elijah yes elijah wood it's fucking freaking <laughs> hell yeah um i can relate I like... to marv when it comes to forgetting to take his meds i i have proudly been medication <laughs> free for about 15 months now but yeah, I know the dangers of forgetting to take your meds for a, not like I've never had the experience where I take them for a couple of days and suddenly I'm killing motherfuckers like Marv. It normally <laughs> well, takes. Not that you remember. Yeah, <laughs> I, there there are some missing scenes in my in my life history. Um, but yeah, there were definitely periods in my life where like I forgot to take them for like a month, and suddenly like I was, I was a mess of a person. So. <laughs> I can relate to Marv. This film, there, there is a theme running through this film, which is quite subtle, unless you are me, and it is that this film fucking loves a trench coat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a wavy trench coat in the wind. It's like, man. Especially, can you imagine, right, me, Marv, and Hartigan going for a night out on the town, just collecting up all the nice coats. <laughs> Because we all know I have a thing for coats and jackets, but... (laughs) I can imagine them too, but to be fair, like, putting you in the middle of that situation. (laughs) I can't imagine that. (laughs) That'd be marvellous. We'd be going out, we'd be drinking, we'd be smoking, even though I don't smoke, and they'll be all like, oh, (laughs) yeah, that's a nice coat. And I'll be like, boys, that is a nice coat. Go get it. (laughs) What happens when them two eventually do what they do, which is find themselves in some kind of trouble? (laughs) And you're there. Well, then I just kind of slope off into the background with all of the nice coats bundled around me and I just leg it. (laughs) Don't worry, guys. I know they've got guns, but inside my trench coat, I have a lightsaber. (laughs) I just bust out my polycarbonate lightsaber and... uh... Oh, come on, man. If if I was in uh, this this film, that lightsaber would would have like indestructible properties and i would just be out of do like most of the other characters in this film and just shrug off like getting shot oh, beaten yeah. 
stabbed, blown up, jumping off a fucking buildings, Dwight. I'm looking at you. It's just like... <laughs> they do. They take immense leaps with how much physical damage can happen to somebody before oh, they actually give in. Like Hartigan. Having a heart attack. <laughs> about to die from a heart attack. Get shot about 12 times. No, still alive. It's like... I, I'm still going to uh, still going to survive and, and somehow come back even tougher for the yeah. second half. It's like just, <laughs> and then have another really, heart attack. They they really live the uh, that if it don't kill you, it makes you stronger thing oh, because yeah. he gets shot like eight times, have, whilst whilst having a heart attack, um, and then comes back and he's even tougher in his second one. And Marv, I mean, what the hell is that guy? What is he drinking? Because I mean, he gets shot. He gets beaten. Yeah, I'm fairly certain he gets stabbed. He gets run over. He goes through the windscreen of a speeding car. He just... It's like, what? At one point, he gets shot in the head. And then the next time yeah. you see him, he's got a plaster on it. Got a plaster on it. And it's like, yeah. um, <laughs> what? <laughs> that's not how heads work. <laughs> no. That's not how bullets work either. He's like if, a fucking Wolverine or something. Yeah, eventually it takes some machine guns to actually put him down. And then, even then, goes to hospital. They fix him. Even yeah, even when up. they try to execute him, they have to do it twice. Twice. Oh, Which I, I did like. I do like that when they do it the first time and they think they've done it, and he just yeah. coughs up the blood and he's like, "Is that all you got?" That's all you got. Yeah. <laughs> Your pansies. Yeah. Um, I was going to say about that. Oh, d- right. There was a scene on this, and I'm not entirely sure how it's supposed to be taken because right. I found it fucking hilarious. And I'm not sure if that was the intent. Um, when is this arrows? No, but, but I, I get onto that. Okay. Leave my linear notes alone. Stop messing them up. Drink. Um, when Marv gets run over by Goldie's sister, I can't remember Wendy? what her name is. Wendy, that's it. Yeah. She runs him over like four times in quick <laughs> yeah. succession, and it's just hilarious because it's like something from Looney Tunes. He yeah. just gets bumped over and bumped, and he bounces into the air ridiculously high every time, and then just gets up, dusts off his coat, the car drives off, and he just carries on with his day. It's like, yeah. I don't know what they meant for that, but I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know whether they were going for, like, this is how indestructible he is, or just this is how much punishment he can take, or uh, we need something funny and cartoon-like in this part, so we'll just say, yeah. Yeah. It I mean, is they straight it, out of a Looney Tunes cone. They they play it pretty fast and loose with with you know the the, the limits of, of physical ability sort of in this film anyway as as we just said. But that bit it just takes it to a, an absolutely absurd degree and yeah. it kind of shatters the because it's all, it's quite quite a noir quite a gritty film and then you get to that bit and it just totally takes you out of the moment by just doing something utterly ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I don't know. I, I, don't know how that's supposed to be played but yeah if anyone has any thoughts on that by all means let, let us know how that how we should be framing that shot in our minds <laughs> yeah it's slightly confusing i don't know whether i'm meant to laugh or or just be like wow marvelous. yeah um, i tied them knots that's my speciality <laughs> Probably my favorite line in the entire thing just a complete moment of self-awareness in a film that's not really self-aware <laughs> yeah it's just like oh i tied them knots that's my speciality like what 
I, I, I like that whole scene. Yeah. It's just really good where he just, because you know it's coming. It's like, hang on a minute. With, is that before or after we see him rip the bars out of the wall? Uh, oh, God. I think it's uh, before, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but we've already seen him, like, when, when he the, the police arrive in the corridor scene we were talking yeah, about earlier yeah. in the stairwell, and he literally just bursts the door to splinters, and we've seen him just picking up, you know, fully armoured coppers and just throwing them around like they're, like they're dolls or something. So it's just like, we know full well that that rope is not holding no. him. <laughs> it's not even that he just, like, hulks out of it either. He just stands up and it just falls off him. So he's obviously... Yeah untied it somehow yeah i love it i wondered if that was kind of like an oblique nod to sort of um all them old like the, char- the character shield sort of thing yeah. where it's like you know yeah you can't really hold him down regardless of the fact that you've tied him in there somehow he's just hand waved them open sort of thing wasn't like tying people up to chairs a massive trope in like old oh, yeah. films and stuff like mm. that so i thought it was maybe maybe it was like a little kind of dig at like you're yeah. constantly tying people up but in these old films and these old like kind of period pieces from that time yeah but ultimately people would just escape it's like a, yeah, it's a nice a nice twist on that trope a nice little nod to it i think yeah um i love clive owen and he should be in more stuff yeah that is literally just a note i have there because oh and i really want some red converse now um <laughs> but I really like Clive Owen, and he is not in enough stuff. No, I I think this is pop. This film was probably the first time I saw him in something. It was the first time I remember seeing him something mm. in something, and I was just like, "Yeah, he's English. He's fucking good. I like he's this." Really dude. good. Yeah. Step one that he did like just after this, which is quite similar in tone, plays a very similar character. I was thinking about it last night. Is it Shooter? Uh, I've heard Something of that. Like that. Can't say yeah, I, I, I went. To, I think you did. I think you saw it with me at the cinema. Really? Yeah. It was when we had our cinema cards and we were just seeing everything that came yeah. out. <laughs> I, I slept for a few of them films. To be fair, it's the one where he eats. He's eating a eats a carrot. Like basically for all the film, he's yeah, he's like some kind of gunman and he's always eating carrots. I need to watch that film again because it was really good. Um, it's lost on me. And Children of Men is the other one that he's in, which is oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's good. Such a good film. It's on my. It's on my watch list. It's on my my Netflix um, list of things to watch. I've got it. Like, I keep looking at it. I'm like, no, no, because I need to be able to sit down and really, really appreciate that film. I, I don't want to watch it while Cody's there. A, because I don't. From what I remember, it's not massively appropriate. And no. B, because he would be distracting me. And it's one of those films I want to sit there and really sort of like get my head into because it's just that good. That that net Netflix. The uh, my list on Netflix mate like i can like i can be like oh i've got two hours i want to watch something and then spend yeah. 15 minutes going through my list to figure out what <laughs> yeah. it is because it's just ridiculous i had to like reset my whole netflix thing recently well a few months ago so my list had to be rebuilt and now i'm being very cautious about like am i ever actually going to watch this or is it just <laughs> going to be something else that's on this list i'm going to flick past whilst looking for something else to watch I've got I've got so many things on there. There's stuff on there that's like been recommended that I'm like, okay, well I want to watch that, but I've got to be in the right frame of mind because yeah, I'm not oh, sure yeah, yeah. it is. And, and I've got a whole bunch of stuff on there. Like, quite often, I don't often sit down and watch something. It's usually when uh, Cody and I are having dinner in the evenings. Um, so I've got a whole bunch of stuff on there that's been on there for ages. 
that I haven't had a chance to watch because I can't watch it while he's there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, right, okay, well, no, I'd like to watch that, but that's an 18. Mm, that's a 15, but I know it's going to be a bad 15. And yeah. I'm fairly I'm fairly relaxed when it comes to, to things like that, unless I, I know there's something in there I definitely don't want him seeing. Yeah. Or it's going to be one of the, the top end of the 15 thing that's going to have a lot of sex or a lot of uh, excessive violence. If it's just swearing and stuff like that, I'm fairly okay with him seeing that because I've got him trained not to swear. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, what was it? I was, was in the car yesterday. Um, and not, we're, <laughs> this is inappropriate. We're both big fans of epic rap battles of history. I like it YouTube. as well. Yeah. yeah, we're both big fans of that. And uh, one of them came on uh, yesterday. It was the, the Western versus Eastern Philosophers one. And every right. time Epic Rap Battles comes on, you can hear Cody in the back sticker. Oh, yeah, steady. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, like this. Um, and uh, of course, there's me like rapping along like fucking Sun Tzu. And um, he's like, Daddy, I like this song, but I can't sing along because there's swears in it. He's like, so I'm just going to hum the, to, the, to the song. I was like, okay, yeah, you do that. I was like, I mean, you could sing it and just not sing the swears. He's like, yeah, but I think it's probably better if I just don't. I was like, okay, there you go, mate. How is your child more sensible than you? I, because it's a case of do as I say, not as I do. I, I think it's because half your child is Amy. <laughs> I can tell you don't live with Amy because otherwise you wouldn't say that. <laughs> I mean, um, just remember who it was that recommended my bowl of, of popped barbecue crisps for breakfast this morning. Wasn't me. That was Amy's suggestion. <laughs> as I've said previously, there's nothing sensible about being engaged to you or having a child with you. Exactly. So, you see? Um, <laughs> I feel like all the cops in this film are so concerned about coronavirus that they're useless as cops. <laughs> They're all in full SWAT assault armor all the time. Yeah. It's the um, it's the it's the visor thing. It's the face visor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's like I've never bumped into that ever before. But suddenly now we've been through Corona, I see one of them face visors, and I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. Right, UK riot police use them all the time. Yeah. Well, no, I've there. seen them before. I've seen them before. It's just I'd never had corona context to see <laughs> to see see it in so now i've seen it in this film and i'm like oh corona corona <laughs> none of these characters in sin city are social distancing why like why, yeah. Yeah. why are they all dying <laughs> what's going on um, only the police seem concerned about because coronavirus what's going on well nobody else cares i mean look at them every character in this film looks like they need a damn good wash <laughs> to be fair they all the just look this film are so indestructible <laughs> yeah. they probably wouldn't even realize they had corona no they just shrug yeah. it off uh, this the, the 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 dwight scene the whole hookers versus the cops versus the mob story yeah. um has my favorite line of dialogue in this film which is funny enough clive owen you shut the hell up jackie boy you're dead yeah <laughs> and he... it's like that, that whole scene is surreal He's got some really good lines, Clive Owen has. Yeah. Dwight. yeah. His, his character is... I mean, this this look, that story arc is probably my favourite. The second Hartigan bit is is a close second. Yeah. Um, but this is my favourite sort of story in in the film. 
uh, I love the Dwight character, not just because it's played by Clive Owen. Um, but it's like, it's at the beginning, when he first shows up, it's like, yeah, uh, a murderer with a new face. And it's like, yeah. wait, what? And that's it. It's just it's just dropped in there, and it's like, yeah. wait, are you not gonna know? But it's no. like he kind of he's not a good guy, but he's an anti-hero, he, isn't he? Yeah, he is the he's the classic anti-hero. This uh, I mean, film this is just full of really anti-heroes. They're all anti-heroes, really. All three of them, Marv Hartigan and Dwight, are all anti-heroes. There's no good guy. There's no real hero in this. They're all just kill their way to what they need to do. Yeah, Even yeah. Hartigan's probably the least anti-hero of them all, but he still ends he, up. He, yeah, he comes comes to closest to being the classic hero. Yeah, but even so, he yeah he, he does it in his own grubby, violent sort of gritty way, sort of thing. And there's something incredibly uncomfortable about how he falls in love with Nancy. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Considering it, she was a child, and then he didn't see her again until she was like 19 or whatever but you can kind of tell that he was in love with her before he saw her dancing it's like it's, there's yeah i don't I know whether it was... get that. i get it's it's weird from her side because she is you know from the moment she sets eyes on him she comes leaping off the stage yeah she's she's clearly romanticized him in like that that eight year period and she has fallen in love with this romanticized version of hartigan um with him He's really well when they're in the motel, and she's all like, she's like all over him, sort of thing. And he's like, No, no, this is really weird. Uh, and you almost expect when he says, Yeah, I love you too, you kind of expect, but not in that way, or as a as as, as a daughter, I never had, sort of thing. Yeah, I know, I understand, I understand it, I actually understand it from her point of view, which is, Yeah, like, I imagine. She didn't really have too many positive realm, realm, male role models growing up. And then yeah. along comes this guy that saves her from a fate worse than death. And yeah, yeah like you said, she romanticizes him in her head. Um, but from his point of view, I find it creepy. Like, I find, yeah, because although the he's, that he he's does not as trying well. to do the physical stuff, there is not that few words of dialogue to say, oh, I love you like a daughter, or I love you. Yeah. As, plutonically i think and then and then at the end he just says i love you and i'm like this is fucking crazy it plays he played it's played more subtle than that i think you there are hints there that he's not he's uncomfortable and he's struggling to to deal with the with the changing of his emotions yeah uh, which i think it's probably a really good job that he does off himself at the end oh because yeah because that would have been really weird although to be fair if i was like in my 60s and jessica a 19 year old jessica alba was throwing herself at me mate i mean it'd probably kill me but <laughs> i don't yeah I'm, i did think like with your with your heart problems the fact you can't even walk to a crime scene without having a heart attack <laughs> like the minute she she tries to get physical with you you're going to be dead but it's not it's go. not that it's not the age difference i don't really care about the age difference like i think it doesn't matter like if you find someone that makes you happy it doesn't matter who they are yeah it's the fact that he knew her as a child mm. and then as soon as she kind of hits legal age he's like yeah all right it that's a bit weird yeah that i find creepy like we we talked about something else another thing on this pod where there was something very similar to someone 
who knew someone as a child and then fell in love with them as an adult and i yeah. I, I find it a bit creepy yeah that that's yeah. weird at the best of times yeah uh, I, was, I was gonna say something about that i can't remember what it was fuck don't worry if you ever have a daughter don't worry i'm not that way <laughs> Oh no! I, I nah. Yeah, Uncle God, Steve. That would be weird. Uncle Steve. Yeah. Ugh. That is weird because I actually have got an Uncle Steve. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and he molested you, so. And he molested me. I mean, it's not my fault. He waited until I was legal, and then I was just all <laughs> over him. Um, <laughs> you were like, do you want to see my toys? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, this is creepy. This is oh, that's weird even for me. Um, <laughs> Let's go back to this film, which is even that is less creepy. Um, the scene now you mentioned, you alluded to this scene earlier. Uh, that I'm, I'm calling everyone by their roles rather than their names because I either can't remember them or I didn't catch them in the scenes. The scene with the lead hooker, yeah, Gail, Gail. isn't it? Gail, Gail yeah. uh, and Becky when they're being held by the mob guys, yeah, being raised. Um, yeah. When when Stuka Stuka. Gets shot through the chest by Miho's arrow. That scene. <laughs> it's almost slapstick levels of comedy. It's another really totally out of the blue scene. You get shot yeah. it's like, oh, wow, look at that. Oh, guys, she's like, like starting to hurt. Should I like, can some, someone look, yeah. look at this? It's crazy. And it's just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Tonally, it feels like it comes from a different film altogether. And it should just yeah. not be. Yeah, I, I bumped into it the first time I saw it. I bumped into it every time I've seen it since. It just feels like weird. they threw one character in to completely change the tone of everything that was going on. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's really weird. I, I'm not... Since he's some, he seems to be some kind of weird Nazi fetishist. He's only on scene for about of... like two minutes. And it's, there's a... There's, whoa, it's like there's a lot to unpack there. And then, oh, uh, what? <laughs> You almost don't expect the arrow through the head to kill him. No. Because <laughs> well, we, you never actually see him die either. He just goes, oh. Like, he reacts to the arrow through his head, but you never yeah. see him fall. You know? So you never know if he actually dies. Yeah. But one of the things that makes me uncomfortable about this film is the Nazi imagery. Oh, uh, what, like the uh, the swastika throwing star? Yeah. I'm, like, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm missing something because I'm not smart enough to know the reference understand the metaphor or anything else but like Frank Miller does it as well in the Dark Knight Returns there's this female gang leader who has like swastika things over her nipple what them things called that burlesque wearers were having their nipples well nipple the tassel things yeah but she has swastika yeah. ones and they, they do it in the animated version which really <laughs> shocks me but yeah, Frank Miller has a thing about throwing like Nazi symbolism into stuff. And I'm not sure whether it's a reference or a metaphor or there's some deeper meaning to it. But yeah, it unsettles me and makes me feel uncomfortable every time I see it. It's, it you could kind of understand it if it was only seen by one faction. But yeah. Miho is one of the, the hookers and she's in that faction. And there's no other Nazi references made on that yeah. side. She's uh, also stuck up. Is is a he's one of the mob, yeah. And it's like okay, so that, but but what? Why? <laughs> I can understand if the evil mob guy is has a Nazi tattoo on his forehead or whatever, a swastika tattoo yeah. on his forehead. Kind of understand like saying like yeah, the villain 
of the piece. Like he's he's nasty. He's a gang. He's a gang member, part of the mob, and he's also a white supremacist. I get that, but when and I'll give them props for casting Miho with an Asian actress. So because mm. a lot of times they don't, but they got massive props Is from she that. Actually, when, English. Oh, she's got Asian heritage. Is yeah. Yeah. Um, but when the Asian character, someone that would have been like public enemy number one during World War Two, is throwing like swastika <laughs> throwing stars, I don't, I have no idea what's going on. It's so bizarre. It, is. it just comes out of nowhere as well. That, if I had to do a translation of this book to film, I would have left out all of the uh, Nazi symbolism, I think. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's weird. It doesn't it doesn't add anything. I don't think removing it would have taken anything away. No, no, not at all. It's just these weird, bizarre things that happen that you just like. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're alluding to. I don't understand why it needs to be in there. Like she's yeah. wearing, Mio's wearing perfectly good, throwing stars as earrings. Why as earrings? To, yeah. yeah. Why does she have to like? Why she can't just throw them? I don't know. Why does she have to throw spot the? It threw me before. It, it's frying me now. There's plenty of little bits <laughs> in this film that make me feel uncomfortable, and that is one of them. Um, the mob leader chap, I think his name is mentioned at some point, but it's it's only said once, and it's mid-conversation. I totally missed it. Um, he seems to have a Dragon Ball for an eye. What is that all about? I don't think he's the mob leader. I actually think... Well, he's the leader of that little thing. He, yeah, he's not the... He's, he's the leader the of, the, of that little he part, to him, that part like, of the well, gang. He's the leader of that little contingent. Yeah, I just yeah. refer to him as the mob leader because you see him leading the other guys. But he has that weird Dragon Ball for an eye, and I, I, again, it's not mentioned. You never get a close up of it. It's just a weird thing that's thrown in there, and just lots ignore- of, There are lots of little bits like that, Dwight with the with a new face, lots of stuff like that, which yeah, I I think kind of reference of a stories in the Sin City comic yeah. book that never but never actually get played out but I don't know if you've seen Sin City, Sin City 2 it's been a while since I've seen it but what, from my uh, recollection a game to, a game to kill for. yeah from my recollection Bing Rames plays the bodyguard kind of the same role he plays in this but he plays it and Eva Green is his boss so yeah. I don't know if I'm dropping to conclusions and Eva Green is the mob boss. I can't remember since oh. E2 enough. I need to probably watch it. I should have watched it. But yeah, he he plays on he plays the same role in that as well. So and I know all these stories are non-linear because Marv turns up later on in this after he's been killed. But yeah, it threw me when when like I saw him in Sin City 2. Well, I have to apologize, listeners. This is uh, we are having some major technical issues with our uh, yeah. internet connection today. So Normally I'm going to do my best. A slight bigger, a bit of lag. Stutters. Yeah. yeah. But no, today we're having full on dropouts. So yeah. uh, I'll do my best to edit this, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what we can do. Not um, our fault. Don't blame us. Blame me. Yeah, it's not internet. us. It's not our technology that's failing. Um, blah, 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 blah. Yellow or Junior, if you will. Looks like an X Man villain. He does, like, yeah. He just that when you know, that bastard. first scene when he appears and you're like, oh my god, that you could be an extra from fucking for, uh, not necessarily first class, but like the the the, the first X Men films. Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's like it, just, it throws me. 
because as soon as he appears on screen, it's like, nope, where's, uh, when, when's Logan going to wander in yeah. and, and I'll fucking <laughs> Scott coming in and blasting eye beams out all over the place. You half when, expect oh, fucking Patrick Stewart to roll in on an electric wheelchair in the background. <laughs> when's Hartigan just going to snick and pop his yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, that's really bizarre because I think obviously because of the colouring. Yeah. And that, that's one of the few bits of colour in the film. It really, really, it really stands, stands out. out. It just makes it really obvious. A really weird kind of like baby poo colour as well. Like, yeah, it's a, not a pleasant oh. yellow, is it? Oh yeah, it's not a good yellow. Now, um, this, this confused me last night, right? Um, in Hartigan's first scene, we hear that he's pushing sixty. Um, he then goes to prison for eight years. Yeah. Plus whatever hospital time he's got to spend at least a few months in in hospital yeah it's nine on seven by the end well when he gets out his ex-partner uh see i've got a note about this yeah he reveals that his wife got remarried after four years and has since had two kids so if we assume that hartigan's wife is a similar age as hartigan she would have been pushing 60 so let's take 68 that means, uh, sorry, 58. That means that she had two kids. The and first the one, yeah. assuming it was right after the wedding, she was 62. Yeah. So she had two kids in her early 60s. What? Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I've, I have a note on the same thing. It says, Hartigan is 68 by the time he gets released. How is his ex- ex-wife popping out kids? Unless yeah. he has a thing for younger women. I mean. Which plays that, out with Nancy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, unless you assume his wife is a lot younger than him. It's a real real grey area because they never actually mention it, do they? How old his wife is. So, yeah, you're kind of left thinking, how is she popping out kids in her 60s? Surely she'd break a hip. But, yeah, maybe she is younger and that's what makes it easier for him to, to, to go for young Nancy, although he never really does. They no. kiss, and he says he loves her, and then that, that's that's it. So, yeah, I didn't think of that, actually. I think Frank Miller has an affection for hookers. All the villains, <laughs> yeah. all the villains target them. The anti-heroes protect or work with them. Yeah. He really, like, of this film and the uh, original material, really goes out of its way to humanise, oh, in as much as it can humanise, like, these the hookers get humanized the hookers get a like fighting against going back to the old days where people treated them badly and everything else and yeah uh, yeah it strikes me that he has a bit of an affection for the downtrodden <laughs> uh, hartigan has one of my, my my second favorite line of dialogue in this film where he refers to him being as what is it as as uh, as precise as a palsy victim doing brain oh, surgery yeah. with a pipe wrench it's like wow uh, amy was like oh my when he said that and i was like that's brilliant i'm writing that one down yeah <laughs> i think that i think i'm shocked that i got through in 2005 to be fair i don't think you'd get that that line of dialogue in a film made well, today you wouldn't get this film made today no. I mean, it's a shame because it would it would really benefit from the advances in um, in green screen technology and yeah. digital uh, filmmaking. But yeah, you wouldn't get this film made today. So many of the tropes and 
so many of the story ideas and the characters are all based on the old school kind of male mentality that no you'd never get really fallen not just out of fashion but out of favor um yeah you you wouldn't get this although it does have a very obvious anti-violence towards women theme i couldn't agree with it more because only the scum of the earth actually lay hands on women but Fucking hell, now the dog's lying all over my computer. Yeah, because um, I've seen Bobby just like yeah. plump down on your. <laughs> um, I think today, this whole episode has just been non stop problems. Um, this, is, this is really humanizing us today because we yeah. are, we're, we're not some esoteric, perfected version of ourselves today. We are, this is going to be so fucking rough and so, yeah. re- this is real. This is this real, real fucking podcasting on the gritty. edge. Yeah, it's not. We are, we're on the raggedy edge of podcasting here, guys. Yeah, this is the real gritty kind of <laughs> version of a podcast. Um, where was I? Yeah. I have got and inside so- and have a fish bite of a hooker by the end of this episode, I think. <laughs> <laughs> You'll like get attacked by a mob boss or something. Um, yeah, anti-violence against women. It comes up over and over again in like it little does. lines of dialogue and story ideas. There's definitely a massive, a massive push to be like violence to women is wrong, mm. and it's one of them. This it's one of the things I can absolutely 100% agree with. I got another note that says trench coats so cool, but we covered that. <laughs> we covered I think Converse coat. paid a pretty penny for product placement because Kevin's wearing Converse, and yeah. they're very obvious in every scene that he's in. Uh, yeah. Dwight's wearing the red converse, and they're one of the few things that actually gets colorized. Colorized, yeah. yeah. It was a nice I think, touch. I think converse for a pretty penny. Um, they must. Oh, that yeah. forty million came from them. Um, if not, then it, they they fucking should. They should yeah. send free shoes to the cast or something. <laughs> I know we talked about this earlier, but I just want to say, Brittany Murphy, rest in peace. She's not in it very much, but when she's in it, she's incredible. Um. Right, my two favourite lines of dialogue. One I've actually written down. The other one I'm going to have to paraphrase. But they both come from Dwight. Um, the first one is, she doesn't quite cut his head off. She makes a Pez dispenser out of him. Um, and the other one, is, I'm going to paraphrase, but it's when he, when Marv walks into the bar and you first come across Dwight. And he says, yeah. like, it's not Marv's fault. Marv was just born in a different age. Like, oh, yeah. he'd be at home on a battlefield sometime like smashing someone in the head Gathering with an axe. an axe into somebody's face. Yeah, I I like that. I to... It's kind of a nice crossover there because you you haven't seen Dwight until that point, and you don't see him until Marv's story is over. Yeah, but the two of them kind of cross paths there. Yeah, and I I just love I love that line of dialogue. And do you know what? I've come across people in my in my life that I just I look at them and I think, yeah, you were born in the wrong age, buddy. Yeah, I feel bad for you. You would be far, far better off back in the day when, like, your strength, your ignorance, your ability, your willingness and ability to fight probably would have got you all kinds of plaudits. But now you're just seen yeah. as like a relic of a bygone time. Yeah, you're really struggling to find your place in society. Yeah. Um, I like. Right. Um, can you explain this to me? Because this <laughs> fucked me off every time I've seen this film. Right. It's constantly raining, but one not one character actually gets wet. 
Yeah, I noticed this last night. Aside from looking grubby and sweaty, they don't actually really get no. wet at any point. Especially no. considering like the amount it rains in most of yeah. those scenes. It's hammering down. They go. I'm to assuming great... that was a, like that's a stylistic choice. I assume yeah. to to set the scene, but having your actors be soaking wet, it's it's very difficult because it immediately gives the scenes that the actors are doing a certain spin, a certain cast, which you wouldn't necessarily want on every scene. So, and like they go to great pains as well. I swear there's a few, I don't know if I'm imagining it, imagining it or not, but there's a few scenes where it looks like they've got an actual rain machine in the background. And then they've superimposed um, the rain over the top in the front of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like two tones of rain. Like, and yet, not one character. Like that very first scene when they're standing out on the balcony, it's pouring with rain. But they yeah. both just look perfect the whole way through it. Yeah. And then yeah another thing in that same vein is when um, Dwight and Miho go into the tar pits. Yeah. And that scene immediately afterwards, they're both coated in it. And then the, the next scene they appear in, there's not a trace of it on them. No. And no, it's like, no. there's no way they haven't had time to clean themselves up or anything. They've gone straight from there to uh back to the old town for the face off with the monsters and it's like but all the tar is gone (laughs) maybe they got some baby wipes in the car or something they just gave themselves some really fucking good baby wipes um when dwight hallucinates jack talking to him in the car i think gene i think it's genius because they've used so many voiceovers in this already that yeah to kind of have a hallucinate hallucination character telling dwight like, yeah, so I have a hallucination telling Dwight the things that Dwight would normally be saying in the voiceover, yeah. which is like the police have caught up with me, blah blah blah. I'm I'm done for it now. It's a nice it's a nice little touch to kind yeah, of yeah. They, they managed to get the information across in the same way, but in a subtly different enough same way yeah. that it's not just the same thing you see. It's a nice yeah. It's like a, a refreshing break from the norm almost. Yeah. Um, Del Toro's performance as well in that scene is really good. The way mm. like he's he's the way his his delivery of the dialogue changes like as his head flips back. Yeah. Forward. Yeah. I've, yeah. It's that really, was, that really was good. apparently his idea as well. That, yeah, was that, really? wasn't, that wasn't originally scripted. That was that was his idea. He kind of um, ad libbed it and they they liked it and like, yeah right let's go with that. Yeah he came up with that. Oh good on uh, him. There's a there's a there's a scene with Hartigan where he's on the farm um, and he's oh, yeah. when he's on the floor and the two cops come running over and they say something about don't take any chances with this one um, let's just like pulverize him and he flips over and says good advice and then yeah. shoots them both that is a callback to Bruce Willis playing John McClane in Die Hard with the terrorist yeah. on the table and he says he says basically I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot you and then he shoots him up through the table and says, thanks for the advice. Yeah. And, uh, it's a direct callback between the two. And I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, that's just like, that's in Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I actually caught that one, that reference. I thought it was really good. Mm. Um, is it offensive that the Irish mercenaries like blowing things up? <laughs> they are clearly supposed to be IRA members. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! It's, it's it's so patently obvious, and it's like, yeah, no, okay, that's that. I think counts as a racial stereotype. Yeah, which, yeah, me too. I mean, it it doesn't. This film doesn't really go too far into that. Um, the only Asian in it is a ninja. Yeah, 
racial stereotyping there and the only irish people are ira terrorists yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit on the nose there perhaps yes yes <laughs> one of them the one with the chelsea grin kind of yeah. scar on his face has that line of like I never really liked shooting. I prefer like blowing up pubs and watching people just explode yeah, into pieces. Yeah, when, you, when you've blown the roof off a pub and seen all the bits of body, yeah. the, little, uh, the little pop-pops never, they can't compare to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bang-bangs, yeah. Proper on the nose. Like, is it... I'm Bear with me, because I'm kind of formulating this thought as I go along. Is <laughs> it really a no-win situation? Because, like, take Iron Fist, for instance. <laughs> the amount of backlash that show got for taking um like martial arts and the whole yeah kind of asian history and then saying oh no we're going to cast it as a white man because anything you can do a white man can do better <laughs> like they took a massive lot of backlash for this and i just said like well done for casting an asian or a character of asian heritage um, well, an actor of Asian, Asian heritage, sorry, as Miho, instead of making it a white person. But then you've just said, like, oh, the one Asian in, in the film is a ninja. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it cuts both ways because you, you you don't want to, you know, cast every ninja has to be, um, and every Irishman has to be a terrorist, and every black person is a gangster. But then if you go and you, you do it the other way, so you cast a white person person as a as a ninja then you're like oh well that should have gone to an asian person it's it's a messy one and i think it depends very much on public sentiment at the time as to which way you should go but you never know <laughs> is it is it the problem with a lot of it's the same problem i see with a lot of this social justice stuff is that half the time they're contradicting each other half yeah. half the things they're fighting for contradict whatever they were fighting for three months prior like yeah we're all meant to be one one race and this is my belief anyway we're all human beings we're all one race regardless of our skin color our sexuality whatever Mm. we're all just human beings right and we're all meant to respect and kind of have a level of understanding of other people's cultures and respect it but yeah if you like some if you get into another culture and you like something from that and you decide to adopt it into your life like say white people getting dreads then you suddenly get cast as somebody as cultural appropriation cultural appropriation where's where's the line yeah where, where is so the like, line between doing something because you you identify with it or or you you have adopted that aspect where is where's is the line between adopting like something and appropriating it. you fell in love with that culture and you fell in love with what they do and you kind of figured oh this is about this is much better way to live my life than, I mean, dreads, probably not a good example for this, but this is a way much, way better yeah. way of living my life than the one that I've been sold since I was a kid. But the second you kind of buy into it, you're culturally appropriating, but we're all meant to be understanding and live as one. And I just, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. I, I, I find a lot of it just constantly contradict. They contradict to themselves on a yeah. monthly basis, which is why so I, if I, if I burn incense, am I culturally appropriating, I don't know, burning in- incense from, from foreign cultures? Or yeah. am I, you know, is it just because I like the smell? <laughs> oh, that reminds me, um, you're no longer a, 
allowed to dress up like a geisha girl on your chow bait because um we've had some because complaints. It's cultural appropriation oh yeah. man can i still do the zulu warrior bit though no no i really about. like deep throating on that spear the, the only one that didn't get voted down was french made obviously i mean everyone loves a bit of french made yeah <laughs> you just had to get it in there didn't you um, I have to sneak in these references to my fucking chatterbait. Oh, mate, seriously. Um, well, it turns out I've only got one note left now. Chatterbait.com forward slash Rooney Wanks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't. Do I have any more notes? Um, no. It was. Oh, yeah. It was really nice to see uh, that traitorous bitch Becky get what she deserves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The Josh Hartnett assassin. Episode. Ooh, yeah, bitch, have that. I do love the book ending, the two scenes with him, like. So <laughs> 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 right, we're nearly there. If we can make it through this, there's yeah, going to be so much off. static in this episode. <laughs> um, um, what were you chatting about, Becky? Becky, yeah, the bitch. She gets what she deserves. Uh, yeah, it's a nice. Yeah, it's a nice. Right. Circle it's thing, nice, isn't it? Yeah, I see. It's a nice full circle, like a bit of because it starts with Josh Hartnett, and you're like, Oh, okay, is this just like a a tiny a little intro? Is this just like a scene? Set? Yeah, and she walks into that lift and he lifts his head up, and you see him, and you're like, oh, I know she's about to get marked, she's about to get marked, gank that bitch. But yeah, yeah. she totally deserves it. She's oh, she dick. totally deserves it. Um, my last note isn't really a massive note at all it's um just an observation the music that plays when hartigan enters cadiz mm. is the same piece of music that played over um the menu screen on one of my old buffy dvd box sets which <laughs> <laughs> it throws me every time that like i watch this film because i see it and i'm like instantly taken back about 20 years to when i used to watch my <laughs> Buffy box sets a lot and uh, I just think like for a film where he wrote some of the music himself and played some of the music himself and everything else why have they got this one scene they couldn't find another piece of music somewhere yeah maybe he was just a Buffy fan maybe maybe he was just like I love that show I'm going to take this bit of music a little little subtle nod in there yeah (laughs) I love it Um, um I have one. I have one more note, and it's more of a sort of like rounding up of it. Um, yeah. it's, this is a good film, though. I don't feel I ever need to watch it again. <laughs> this it'll, is one of those films I don't think I'll revisit. It'll be a lot of years before there. There will come a time in like five, ten years when I'm like, oh, I haven't seen Sin City for a while, and I'll throw it on and I'll I'll rewatch it. But I'm in no rush. I'm not like. Oh, I know I'll be watching this again at some point soon. It will definitely take a decade or so before I come round to. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I will be watching this anytime soon. I've got the second one because I've got a, a two CD, a two DVD box set for this. Oh, so okay. I will watch that probably at some point in the next year or so. But I don't think I'll ever go back and watch this. But it's, it is a good film. However, Two hours of the same OTT, cliched dialogue, stylized action and, and appearance. It wears pretty thin by the time you get to the end of it. And I think any longer, and I probably would have tuned out of the film totally. Yes, yeah, snap. 
I think it, yeah, I think it's... 90 minutes. I think 90 minutes. I think if they yeah. take two of the stories, cut the third and just dovetailed the two stories nicely, it it would have it would have been a far more enjoyable yeah. experience. Splitting yeah. splitting this over two films sort of thing would have been ideal, I think. Oh no, but I meant like because there's three storylines, isn't there? If you take out the Josh Hartnett stuff, there's three yeah. storylines. Yeah, yeah. If they cut one of them and just had the the, the remaining two just kind of weave in and out of each other for nine yeah minutes, i think it would have been a far more enjoyable that would have experience. been perfect yeah because two hours by the time you get to the end of it you're, you're you're almost glad to see the closing credits which yeah it's never good when you're watching a film especially a film like this because it it deserves to be appreciated and it, oh, it, it deserves all the plaudits that it got and i think yeah the the, the runtime almost undoes that almost um have you got a score for this, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to get out and wrap this up before we <laughs> before it all again. breaks. Um, yeah. I don't, it's not going to be a high score to be honest. It's probably, I'll give it a six, and that I'm feeling generous in giving it a six. <laughs> when I kind of selected this choice, I thought, oh, this might be my first eight. And then I watched it, and now I'm, I'm, I'm on a six as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm, I think if it was shorter, it would probably get higher. But yeah, yeah. If there was less Nazi imagery, it would get higher. <laughs> yeah, unnecessary Nazi imagery. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think 15 years ago when I saw it at the cinema. Yeah. It would have got a nine. But 15 years later, I've grown, I've changed as a person. And as yeah. much as I like it, I really do. And I think it's a triumph in cinema for the, the way they translated a comic book so accurately to, to film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still think I'm still going to have to give it a six, especially on the scale that I'm scoring things. Just yeah. Six. So, yeah. quick shout out to next week because it's the. Um, Read until the joy is gone. Book club episode next week. No, it's not. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> Says the man that's still a third of the way through the book. Um, yeah, you need to get your read on because um, yeah, that's next week. We're recording that. Uh, this the first. Well, I thought we weekend. had. Oh shit! I thought we had a week. <laughs> I thought we had another thing, and then it was going to be that. Oh crap! No, a week, a week today. Well, a week today for us on the Saturday, we'll be recording the episode, and yeah. a week today for the listeners on the Wednesday, it will be going live. So uh, yeah, get your read on, fool. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, damn. <laughs> I better knuckle down this week. Yes. Um. Good. Oh yeah. Um. I was going to say, what was your choice for next week? But we just covered that fucking... We just covered that, yeah. Find what you love. Find what you love. Believe in it. Positive things will happen. Nara.